Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. And today I've got a couple of TPs with me, Tom Peavy and TP Hammock, our intern, just for a couple more days. Uh, as uh, we have a fun show planned for you this afternoon, we'll get into in the latter half of the show. We've been going through all these different conferences this week. Today we will do the Big Ten over-unders for win totals in 2023. TP's a big Big Ten guy. And even's wearing the shirt today, so uh, he'll have some great thoughts on that. We're excited to bring the Big Ten after doing the Pac-12 yesterday and the SEC on Monday. Also have a pre-recorded interview with Phil Steele of Phil Steele Publications. That one will air around 4.15 today. We were able to do that earlier this morning. Phil had some great things to say. Optimistic about Auburn's outlook. Also had a surprise uh, optimism for another SEC West team, and so we got into some good conversation with him. That will be at 4.15 today. Of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Ryan, Tom Peavy, and TP Hammock here with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll start with you, TP. Glad to have you on the show for the full three hours. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. I was able to get some uh, Geminix barbecue on the way here. Uh, had a good lunch. Me and Tom have been talking about our Thunder Chickens game last night. Unfortunately, we were defeated in both games, but game two was uh, it was quite the the shootout. So I was pleased with that, but. Overall, it's a really it's really hot, so I'm enjoying this Wednesday. So, and then uh, Tom, yeah, as uh, TP alluded to, uh, a rough ones last night. Uh, again, overall compared to the first couple of years of the franchise, still more competitive than we have been in the past, but. Still looking for that first victory. I know I made a couple bad errors in the, in the second game that cost us. I know we had a whole innings worth of errors yeah. in that first inning and uh, scored our franchise record, I believe, 16 runs, and yet still were defeated. Yeah, well, because we gave up 20 – or no, 19? 24. 24-16. Yep. So we gave up 24, but, yeah, we scored a franchise record runs. And, and the thing is, we also – that was the first game, I, as far as I'm aware of, it's the first game that we've ever actually time-limited – uh, you know, unfortunately, we normally get run ruled, uh, and we did have one that went a full seven innings, which I think was a first for us earlier this year. Um, that the one that we blew there, we had two, know, we had back to back games, go back to back, innings, go yeah. seven innings. So, you know, there there's progress there, and in this one, yeah, it was such an offensive shootout with with a very good team. By the way, I mean this this was a team that was, uh, you know, full on uniform type jerseys. Big dudes, uh, big firefighter dudes, police officer dudes. These are monsters, and we one it, of them hit it a country mile. Yeah, it was way gone. Guess, almost uh, hit the station. <laughs> it felt like yeah. a, a guy who I had uh, been in talks with about joining the Thunder Chickens. Well, Tommy, you've got to offer that nil money, man. I guess so. 
We we got to get you got you on the recruiting but, trail um, a little harder. But yeah, I mean it's uh, close it, the deal. It, it was tough, but I I see the improvement. Uh, the the improvement has been vast, uh, and I mean we're we're so close. We're so on the cusp of of pulling one of these out, and so uh, I, uh, I I was feeling the effects of my first base play last night because uh, in the second game I did a split to try to get a ball that was thrown a little bit wide and uh, you know trying to keep my foot on the bag and as you're supposed to do at first sure. base you you stretch you you yeah. know you do a split unless it's obviously off then you got to try to hold the bag right yeah. um and I did that last night and I you know I'm a big boy I'm also an old boy <laughs> I, I'm not supposed to my body is not supposed to do what it did last night I didn't do it on purpose it just kind of happened and are you being reminded of that when you moved I, today? I was, today is not bad last night yes uh after I got a shower and, and kind of got you know my muscles kind of you know relaxed or whatever all of a sudden my hamstrings and, and my glutes started definitely tightening up and feeling it and I'm like yep that was that was definitely that split that I did it was just funny hearing people outside there that saw it and they're like i can't believe you your body did that and i was like i didn't realize that i did it that, to that extent but i mean some of the my girlfriend and some of the other girls uh girlfriends of the team were you know they were like that was incredible they're like that hurt us like to see <laughs> to see you split like that he's like that hurt our legs I'm like ah I, I didn't realize it was to that extent but apparently it was enough that <laughs> everybody outside watching the game was like ooh that's going to hurt yeah, like, hey, you know. more pliability than than, than real. Ah, uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, Thank goodness I did some stretches before we got <laughs> out there because I I'd have popped something. I took one on the thigh on that sliding catch attempt that I made. Uh, that was not able to to catch right after the the air. I took one on the thigh, and so there's this big circular uh, pink spot like yeah. upper thigh, which is is great. Uh, but yeah, we gosh, we're. We're hovering around. We we've put together certain games where we well, we've now had some good pitching performances. We put together now some offensive performances. It's really got to just come together all in, in one game at this point. And uh, I don't know. We're starting to run low on time. We've got four more regular season games, two more weeks, and then we will have a postseason game. Everyone gets wow, in I didn't the realize, postseason. I didn't realize season was already. Yeah, well, we've not had any rainouts yet. Uh, so that's well, not push the bat, uh, push the season jinx, back too much. You just jinx that. I said yet, and uh, you know maybe we will because again, Van's not going to be there next Tuesday. So maybe you want it to rain. I don't know. Uh, oh wow, Van, that was Van that Van said. Yeah, he's not going to be there next. Got his Tuesday. wisdom teeth. Uh, no, no, that's no. TP. He's right oh, there. TP uh, is the one. See, I, no, I, Van it, in the dugout. Up, the walk machine has to get his wisdom. It, it, po- teeth it pops up on my uh, on my phone. I just get a lot of numbers and not names. Right. So I see a number and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, so Van told us in the dugout he will not be there next yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So, again, maybe you want it to rain. Just yeah. That, one of I mean, our yeah. uh, undoubtedly our best player probably, at least in the, definitely in the field. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm just saying. So, uh, again, we took two more L's last night. Even the 12-2 was not as bad as been some other games. We just could not hit in that game. Yeah. Uh, we got five innings and five hits, I believe, total. Um, second game, again, a lot of runs. Tight strike zone too. I I, I walked twice, and I'll tell you the three one pitch both time I thought was a strike. So I thought I expected to be hitting on a three two count both times, and right. said ball four, and it's like all right, well this is what leadoff hitters do. They get on base and run fast, and so 
and so we went. But anyway, that was our Thunder Chickens from last night. Uh, before we get to our first break again, want to remind you, I'm sure everyone out there is still aware of this, has been following along with Auburn football recruiting. Less than an hour away from the commitment of Demarcus Riddick, the recommitment, the final commitment, the in theory final commitment. I, I don't know what to call it exactly, uh, but Demarcus Riddick, the five-star linebacker out of Chilton County, uh, high school uh, that has been committed to Georgia for quite some time. He is making what they are calling, he is calling a final decision here at 4 o'clock Central at the high school. Again, if you look at the rankings, technically all the services have him as like a high, high four where he's between the 30th and 46th best player, depending on if you're looking at rivals or 247 on three ESPN, et cetera. But when you combine them all, number 31 player in the class grades out as a five-star in the industry ranking. Yeah. So, again, if you see individual sites, you keep seeing four-star, four-star. We're like, well, he's not a five-star. Well, when they aggregate everything, right. he passes some of those guys and then ends up 31 overall, ends up five-star guy. So, anyway, that's, that's why that looks like that. But – Going to make a commitment, in theory, the final commitment at 4 o'clock. It's either going to be something we really like or we really do not like. It's going to be Auburn, Alabama, or Georgia. Those are the final finalists. And, of course, he's been committed to Georgia for yeah. quite some time. And so the the thought and the speculation, uh, right now there's a lot of folks that are crystal balling him to Auburn. That That's kind of where – and that's why we're even talking about it. Right. Is yeah. because there are a lot of predictions of him flipping to Auburn. Uh, so a couple of things uh, – they think that the, that a flip is imminent because he would not be doing another ceremony to go, hey, I'm staying at Georgia. He would just stay at Georgia. So that's why they think a flip is imminent because he is actually doing this. Uh, and then secondly, uh, several of the Alabama writers have already kind of written him off. Okay. And they are very angry. And they are not, yeah, they're not happy. Of course, they're also saying a bunch of BS that, you know, He's he's not he's not made for Alabama. He's he doesn't take it serious. He wants to just have fun and this Na- is a business yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. But all all signs right now are pointing to Auburn. However, I I, I you know throw caution out there because the uh, the wide receiver from uh, Cam Coleman. Cam Coleman. I'm glad you keep remembering his name because I can't. It's ever stuck remember. in my brain. I yeah. probably he could end up having 18 catches in his entire NCAA career. You're still going to know that name, Cam yeah. Coleman. Yep. Uh, all signs, all crystal balls, and everything had him pointed to Auburn right up until he committed to Texas A and M, which apparently wasn't even on his list of schools. So again, I, I I say caution. You know, use you know, take it precautionary, but. Right now, signs are pointing to him committing to Auburn and, and flipping here. Yeah, he also goes to Chilton County High School, which is up in Clanton. And if you know a little bit about high school football, they are very – historically, they're, they're very average. They're around 500. But whenever you turn on his film, he just pops out. You can tell he's a very, very good football player. So it is – if Hugh Freeze and the staff can land his commitment, that will be massive – because that is just that is just a player that you want on the field. You know, he obviously was committed to Georgia. If Kirby Smart wants him, you know, everyone wants him. So if they're able – I know he did get some crystal balls like Tom said. So that would be massive, especially in that Clanton area because it seems like that part of the state seems to go towards more of a Tuscaloosa and Alabama. So that would be uh, that'd be massive, and I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. So. Yeah, again, that's coming up around 4 o'clock. The commitment bit is interesting that, you know, why the need to have a 
production like this if he is going to stay committed to Georgia. That is entirely possible. However, again, with high school recruiting, anything is possible. I take nothing off the off the list. When LeBron James made a decision to go to Miami in front of a bunch of Cleveland, uh, what was that uh, – like area foster kids or something like that. Remember that when he made the decision and he had a bunch of kids from some sort of youth program or something behind him. And he's like, I want to take my talents to South beach. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought, Oh, the kids are back there. He's coming to Cleveland. He's not going to break all these kids hearts. And then you could hear a pin drop. He went to, he went to South beach. So uh, you just never know about these things. But again, we will let everyone know again, we're expecting that decision shortly after 4 o'clock. That's when the events start. It usually takes 5, 10, 15 minutes to get everything together. And so uh, we will definitely let you know if uh, or when he commits and how it affects the class rankings once that gets uploaded. We are going to go to our first timeout of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Another nice, hot, sunny summer day here in the month of July. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about like a new commitment that's going to be coming to Auburn um, around like four o'clock, and I'm very intrigued of seeing who's this uh, new commit that's going to be coming to Auburn. Yeah, of course uh, he's going to be making his decision at four o'clock, so we don't necessarily know if he's coming to Auburn or not. But speculation is that he very well could be. His name is Demarcus Riddick, and he is a five-star linebacker out of Chilton County High School, and. Again, he's currently committed to Georgia. It's between Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn, and he's making, in theory, a final decision here just after 4 o'clock. Yeah, so I was uh, actually looking in uh, my Twitter uh, timeline that uh, I was seeing that uh, that Demarcus uh, Riddick um, would be I'm, – I'm pretty sure that he might commit to Auburn, but uh, other schools might be in his uh, radar, so if um, if Alabama or any other schools that might want to pick him up, if he decides to change his mind between now and four o'clock, I'll, I'll probably say that Auburn would be uh, would be a really good fit for her, for uh, Riddick for Demarcus Riddick because I think we do need a five star linebacker for 2024, 
And I think that would be a really good uh, fit for the Hugh Freeze uh, line, linebacker uh, spot for him as well. And he's a, he, he looks like a really good kid. But I'll, um, I'll probably look at his um, his his uh, high school uh, highlights and see if, if we actually really do need him as well because we really do need a lot of help in the, in the linebacker's uh, position slot as well. Yeah, Auburn trying to land some of their biggest recruits in quite some time, and if they're able to flip people from the likes of Georgia and Alabama, you know that's a, a pretty big deal, and that's a clear sign of, of, of progress there. So I think that overall, uh, you know, James, you know, it's been a really uh, important deal for Auburn to um, to try and land a couple of these big guys. They've been doing a pretty good job of getting some four-star guys, some high three-star guys, but if they start flipping Alabama or Georgia players, uh, then that would, again, be a very big deal for them. Yeah, so if, if uh, DeMarcus Riddick comes to Auburn, I mean, Auburn is, is more with Hugh Freeze as our new head coach. I think Auburn is like a business-type uh, school for a lot of these new uh, commits that want to come to Auburn. And once they come to Auburn, it is all business. We're not, you know, we're, we're a business school on and off the field and, and we're, we're really committed to, to actually, you know, getting, uh, new players as, you know, business attire and, and looking at the university and seeing if they're going to make a good choice to come to Auburn as well. Because when, um, you know, for me as being an Auburn fan for so long, I, I've seen so many, uh, new new recruits come in and they say, "Oh, Auburn is really nice, and they ha- we have really good facilities." Yeah, we do. We have one of the best uh, football facilities in Auburn as well. And it's it, it, it's a it's a family affair feel to it because when you're at Auburn, you're you're looking at history in the making as well. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, you know, I think. I think, you know, the facility and the new, you know, the new equipment, I mean, not equipment, you know, the state-of-the-art practice facility that they just got mm-hmm. on, I think that really does help out a lot in recruiting because it, you know, it. I remember Gus Malzahn had long wanted what they got, and, it, you know, it, it sucks that it happened, you know, after he he departed from Auburn. But, yeah, I think, you know, you could see Auburn in the race for a lot of these high level prospects now and i you know on the field stuff matters the most but it doesn't it doesn't hurt whenever you have that in your backyard as well so yes that's well and then with um i've seen a lot of videos from auburn uh football players actually you know doing um you know actually like running up and down the bleachers in jordan Hare stadium i mean i i would love to do something like that with them and and uh actually show you know my my uh my ability of of running up uh up a flight of stairs on on inside Jordan Hare Stadium you know just to you know work out with them as well cuz their their workouts are like really good i mean they look like a a good workout video that that should be you know out in 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 DVDs and and you know they they could actually do something like that in the near future as well yeah, put their uh, put their workouts on on tape. Yeah, now I know they're I know stadiums are are pretty difficult though. I, I but you would you would be down to do some of them with them. I, I sure would be down next year in twenty twenty four. I would I would love to do something like that. You know, for the A day game. Uh, you know, for that. You know, when they're actually out there. You know, after the 
hey, that game is over. If they want to, you know, challenge me into a, a foot race, hey, it, it's going to be a good challenge if I take it. I'm going to win that challenge as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm certainly not going to challenge you, James. I'm going to let you have at that. What else is on your mind today? Uh, well, I'm actually uh, going to be looking at some uh, Major League Baseball tonight and seeing if the Atlanta Braves uh, are going to take this huge win. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the Atlanta Braves actually being a World Series uh, contender. So I just have to see how their, how their, uh, how their uh, standings are going to look. And, um, you know, when that, when that uh, postseason time comes in October, I, I think Atlanta might look like a, a World Series contender as well. James, who is your favorite Atlanta Brave? I, I, I would say mine is Ronald Acuna, so I'm curious. Um, um, I'm more of like a Texas Rangers fan, but I'll probably uh, go with Atlanta. I'll probably say like Tripper Jones as, as one of my favorite uh, baseball players that used to play for, for Atlanta as well. That's yeah. a good choice. Yeah, he was a great one. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some uh, some basketball from across the from you know across the pond, and I'm actually going to be looking at my new uh, team that I'm actually a part of now. It's uh, the Carolina basketball team in Puerto Rico. So we actually I'm going to be watching that game tonight and um, seeing if if that team is going to win as well. Okay, yeah, no, I was not uh, not aware of that happening, so. Uh, good stuff right there. Yes, as well because I've um, I've been watching a lot of uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Spanish sports from Puerto Rico and uh, seeing a lot of great players that play in uh, in the island of Puerto Rico as well because it's uh, it's actually a good thing for me to you know to root on uh, my my. Uh, you know my heritage as well so it's it's, uh, it's a great thing as well yeah i know you're a big puerto rico guy that's for sure what else is on your mind well i'm actually going to be uh, looking at some more nfl news before uh august 3rd for the hall of fame enshrinement ceremony game and i'm actually going to be uh, looking at some players that i'm going to be drafting uh this coming up uh, year for the 2023 uh nfl fantasy draft so i'm actually narrowing it down to eight players right now. I'm actually seeing if, um, if I'm going to pick St. Bixby and, um, you know, some other players from Auburn as well. So I, I have a, a lot of players I'm actually trying to pick from Auburn and seeing if they're going to make me some points this year. Yeah, maybe someone like Darius Slayton would help too. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually I'm going to be looking at some uh, NASCAR news because I know we're – so far away from uh, the weekend uh, in Richmond, so I'm going to be looking at that and uh, seeing who's going to actually win. And I think it might be Kevin Harvick is going to win this weekend as well on Saturday. So, um, uh, well, they have one on Saturday, and then they got one on Sunday. The one on Saturday is the uh, is the Cup Challenge, so I will be watching that one as well. And then the Xfinity Series, I'm going to be watching on Sunday as well. So, um, I got a lot of. Um, those two tracks, uh, those two uh, major uh, circuits, will I be watching? And then the Craftsman uh, Truck Series that I'll be watching uh, that weekend as well, and uh, seeing uh, who's going to win the uh, Truck Series as well. 
Yeah, uh, the Xfinity race will be on Saturday, Cup Series on, on Sunday. So got to tune in to both of those for sure. Looking forward to another shorter track like Richmond. Any final thoughts for us today, James, before we have to let you go? Um, well, the only final thought is that I know that we lost yesterday, but I am very, I'm not very intrigued on that as well. But next Tuesday, I mean, we, I mean, we have to, we have to balance back on this one as well. Yeah, we're, that's certainly our goal. We, uh, we, we fought till the end, but uh, we're just not able to, to quite uh, overcome the, the deficit after the first inning, but we kept battling out there. Yeah, so if y'all need any um, any help in 2024 with the Thunder Chickens, I'll I'll probably uh, you know just keep me a jersey and uh, I'll just uh, probably be out there sometime real soon to help you all out. All right, we'll we'll just see what happens next year. We appreciate the phone call today, James. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's get to one more call here before we take our next time out at three three four. 887-341 locally or toll-free, one nine tiger 9 Next up, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you doing this afternoon? Hey, guys. Just because you hadn't heard from me don't mean I'm not listening. Um, and we appreciate, you we appreciate you listening. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant about some sports because, you know, I don't have internet and cable and, I don't know, all these sources of information on sports a real quick question and maybe you can answer it how is auburn's nil money playing to these kids decisions from high school yeah i mean i think there's still a, a huge part of it i think it's a huge part of it for any of these these uh these football basketball players that sort of thing coming into high school they get some pretty big nil opportunities with these various schools certainly um, several, I mean, a lot of players can make six figures, and uh, there's even reports, you know, of the occasional star athlete that gets seven figures. So uh, there's certainly a lot of money out there. Auburn's in a much better place than it was a couple of years ago when this began, and I think that Hugh Freeze has kind of uh, benefited from that, but also kind of spearheaded that charge as well. And so Auburn's in a pretty good position, and that's why they're knocking on the door of these big recruits. So that plays into the well. It's like the kid from Florida that flipped two years ago because Florida couldn't come out with their NIL commitment. Um, right. The, I just yeah, I'm just curious how. I'm sorry. What now? I just said yeah. The quarterback from Florida. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Well, I just I'm trying to understand uh, this world of sports with the NIL stuff, and I'm not sure if. Well, this decision will come at 4 o'clock, evidently, from this kid from Clanton. Uh, if Georgia and Alabama and Auburn are competing with monetary gains? Well, I mean, again, it's it, that is a part of the equation. Again, there still goes into all the stuff that's always been true, like uh, coaching staffs, your relationship with, with coaches and that sort of thing, your style of play uh, in, in the campus, and all that stuff still factors in. But certainly with the with these NIL opportunities, that is a, a large portion of it. And, and so, you know, look, the charisma and stuff that the staff has, that, that still is certainly relevant and the potential for success. Again, so there's a lot of, uh, of factors that, that go into it still, but NIL certainly is one of the big ones. Okay. Well, I work at that downtown restaurant. I'm not going to say it by name, but, you know, Cadillac came in. And he just real low-key, and then we've had Bruce Pearl and Sunny Lee. And um, that's probably the only reason I work down there besides being a little income besides my 
uh, housing benefit from being resident manager. <laughs> but you know, but uh, I'm anxious for football season to get on because you know it's kind of dead downtown right now. So. Yeah, no, there'll be a lot of people flooding in. You know, the the campus starts back up with the fall semester here in two or three weeks. So, uh, who knows who you'll run into downtown once uh, school gets going again and then uh, football season gets going. Well, I'm seeing a lot of parents bringing their kids in. You know, they're moving from out of town, getting them settled in, and some of our staff had to leave for three weeks because their apartment isn't ready. So, in three weeks, all that will be settled, and we'll get into. I call it, you know frat rush and sorority sorority pledge week and all that and i'm just really anxious to get out of this hot weather (laughs) back down to business (laughs) but anyway i I know you got to go for a commercial break but uh i appreciate you taking my call absolutely darren we appreciate you calling in today Okie dokie. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good, Daryl. Appreciate it. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We do need to take that next commercial break of the show. When we come back, have another trip to the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, birthdays and sports coming up in a little bit. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate Daryl and James for giving us a call. On the other side of that break on the Auburn Bank phone line, and let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Busy first hour, 334-887-34 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Doing quite well. Yep, doing well. All right, guys. Hold on to your seats. I've got another holy crap for you. All right. Here we go. Here it goes. I'm going to make this a category of uh, for the entire season. A five-year, $304 million Supermax contract extension, I guess, to Mr. Jalen Brown. Yes, who sir. now makes him the richest contract in NBA history. Is that, is, is that uh, you know... Are, are you still sitting down? Or are you unconscious? Yeah, I'm not unconscious. I have to, again, keep talking. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's the uh, he's now the highest played 
uh, paid player, excuse me, in the NBA, or at least the, the biggest uh, guaranteed contract. A lot of this is about when he comes to market and how the cap keeps going up, which makes the max salary keep going up because Jalen Brown on the surface should not be the highest paid player in the NBA. He's probably like the Why tw- is he? Please, I, mean, well, I, mean, I don't mean to be a confrontational, but I don't know why. Why is he getting this much well, money? It's it's as I just said. It's it's when he went to market, and again, the max contract that people can sign varies uh, based on how long you're in the league, how long you're on that team, and then also with how uh, it's tied to the salary cap. The max contract is a certain percentage of the salary cap, and as the salary cap continues to balloon, the later you go into this, then the more of a max that you can you can have. And so it's it's just a matter of a functionality of when he came to market because other team other players have signed max contracts and uh someone like steph curry for golden state a few years ago signed a max and i think it was the richest contract at that time and he was certainly incredibly deserving to be the highest or second highest paid player in the league when that happened but it just so happened that brown's extension came due at a time where not not none of the huge contracts have been signed the last year or two and so uh, as the cap has continued to go up, the max continues to go up. And in a couple of years, he won't be the, the highest contract. The cap will continue to spike, and there'll be new highest-paid contracts. But in the NBA, it is a practice to pay your top player, maybe your second-best player, too, on a great team, the max contract when it comes time. And it just came time for Jalen Brown in Boston. Oh, uh, does this ever end? Because according to Bleach Report, they say soon there'll be a $70 million club then an $80 million club, and a $90 million club. When does this insanity end, or does it never end? Yeah, no, it won't It won't change uh, anytime soon because, again, the cap will continue to spike. There's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement and that sort of thing that comes in uh, in a, a couple of years, and that uh, will only increase the cap even more, increasing the max and that sort of thing. And so, again, th- those players that uh, come to market at that time and have – uh, different eligibility requirements depending on all NBA first teams, that sort of thing with with their current team, then they're just going to get paid more and more. And so, uh, you know, that that will continue. That practice will continue on for a long period of time because there's already those that argue that the max was not high enough for certain players in the league. So, uh, you know, some, some maxes will not be a great deal for the team. Like I don't know if Jalen Brown will end up being worth that investment or not. Uh, but I can tell you that that a lot of them usually are smart, and a lot of them are usually, again, just based on when you go to market. Mm. Uh, apparently, I was in the wrong market in my profession. All right, uh, let's move on, gentlemen. Uh, this is when I want your uh, candid uh, and feel feel free to say, Steve, no, 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 you're these are false equivalencies. But this is a false equivalency question I'm asking you because I just read this. Uh, again this morning, and I, I'm sure you guys, they've already talked about it, but uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Harbo has been given an NBA suspension of four-game suspensions, right? Right. Okay, and along with that, it says that uh, apparently, I think his offensive coordinator has been given a one-year show cause. I believe so. I, I think I saw that too, yeah. And his, also, former, defense, his former defensive coordinator has been given a one-year cause. Okay, now, the sense that it stems, and I'm reading this from uh, Raven Country, um, whatever that is. Uh, anyway, it says that uh, offensive coordinator Sharon Maroor and tight ends coach Grant Newsom are also expected, but apparently this was due to 
some recruiting violations and false claims he made to investigators earlier in the offseason. All right, so as I read this, I said that I read more details about it. Uh, you know, uh, apparently there was at least four, uh, I guess, recruiting violations of the DNC said that they lied about them. Okay, so my, my, my question to you guys is this. I thought about what about Bruce Pearl. Now, he was given a show cause of, was it, was it three years? How, how many years was it? Uh, I don't three or four. I, I don't remember the exact. I don't remember everything about the for, for a violation. Well, I guess two violations. One for having a recruit that he didn't own up to at a barbecue and then lied to the investigators about. Okay, and then he gets fired from uh, Tennessee. Now, is this to me? To me, it seems like there's unequal uh, punishment here uh, for to me more of egregious. Uh, than what uh, Bruce Pearl did, but I, I, I'm willing to hear you guys tell me, Steve, uh, it's a false equivalency, false analogy. Tell me where I'm flawed in my thinking that somehow Jim Harbaugh is getting uh, away with something Bruce Pearl couldn't get away with. Well, I mean, look, so first we're talking about someone that had already been fired versus someone that had been, uh, that was is still currently employed, and that inherently makes it a little different. You're not going to see somebody suspended for three years. Like there's just that's not a penalty on the table. If if something was that egregious, then you would you would flat out get fired for it and that sort of thing. And so uh, he he did lie about the level two recruiting violations and that sort of thing. Um, again, I don't remember every single detail about the the Bruce Pearl stuff from you know, what about a decade ago, a little more than a decade ago. Um, so I, I mean, the show cause stuff is like the only way you penalize someone that's been fired, uh, and, and again, it's a little different because of just the employed versus not employed aspect. Otherwise, you're going to say, "What? How, how would you? How would you penalize a coach that's been fired that has had a violation like that?" Uh, yeah, that's why I'm, I was asking, but again, I'm thinking, well, how's what Bruce Pearl did, and the Tennessee saw fit to fire him when Michigan isn't firing him; they're just suspending him. Four home games to start the season, and he apparently had a lot more violations, according to the NCAA reports I read, than Bruce Pearl uh, was uh, was accused of. Well, I would think that you know you also got to look into it this way. I mean, that was a decade ago, and the NCAA, you know, they no one really understands some of the punishments that they hand out. And yes, the Bruce Pearl one was fairly harsh. And I've you know, as someone who follows the Big Ten a lot, I actually looked into it. And from what I have read, it's not the fact that there were more violations. It was the fact that he just kept lying about it. And they really, they they realized that. And so that's why they kind of hand him that sort of suspension of a four game. And I know that you're, you're kind of saying it's light and I understand that, but you know, I think it's just more of a, you know, that was 10 years ago and the NCAA was really strict about that type of stuff. And so they, they laid down the hammer on Bruce. And so I think they might've done that to, make him an example you could say but you know like like ryan said you know that was so long ago i'd have to look back into that but yeah i think that plays a factor into it okay i just want to hear your thoughts guys appreciate it moving on guys there is a subcommittee uh in the senate that's hearing right now apparently uh the subcommittee is called a bill they're trying to pass the protecting athlete schools the sports act it was about the nil have you i'm just reading this and this comes from um yeah, Bleacher Report, uh, about what they're proposing in this bill. Uh, it says here that, uh, first, that it would uh, ban 
any state law regarding revenue sharing. Yeah. So, uh, Secondly, wait. it would grant the NCAA the latitude to ban certain NIL deals, such as gambling or alcohol sponsorships. Uh, it says the NCAA would be the enforcing body for such rules, though the FTC could also assist them. It also says, hold on, the transfer portal would be dramatically altered with athletes only able to switch schools without losing a year of eligibility if they had already been at their current school for three academic years. Uh-oh. Exceptions for coaches in the school or a death of family will be granted, however. How about that one? Yeah, so this, so this is a whole bill that uh, Tommy Tuberville and uh, Joe Manchin have put together, and, uh, and, and they're trying to get that put into place. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of other stuff in there. Um, I, I was reading it yesterday when I when it first started popping up. But here's the big thing that I that I can say about this. If there's any question on, is it good or is it bad? Auburn agrees with it. Alabama agrees with it. The Southeastern Conference agrees with it. So that tells you what you need to know right there. That when you've got Auburn is on board, Alabama on board, and the Southeastern Conference as an entity all agree with everything that is written in this and are on board with it, then there you go. Well, uh, I'm sure that we'll find some attorneys who will represent some players who say, we ain't blind, because, you know, this uh, the portal thing has been a, uh, a jackpot for players, has it not? Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing, though, is it, but it's starting to get out of control, and you're starting to lose the... You're starting to lose what the, the 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 college game, the college athletic, the you know the kind of the thing that makes that special and different than being a professional athlete. You start losing that, and nobody has a way to do it or can figure out a way to do it. So then, therefore, the federal government steps in and says, "All right, listen, we're going to put some rules in place." And, and so, if they if these rules are violated, then you're actually violating federal standards, which is kind of similar to what they do right now with the. Uh, with coaches and players dealing with uh, agents, I mean that, those are those are federal issues. That's why the FBI gets involved in stuff like that. So they're just basically putting some checks and balances into the whole deal with NIL and transfer and this you know type of stuff, so they can kind of keep the uh, college game and the amateur athletics the way it's supposed to be. Right. It also says that apparently the NIL is no longer be so secretive as it has been. That the they have to uh, report. will publish and frequently update anonymized and aggregated name, image, and likeness data. That'll be interesting. All right, finally, guys. Uh, I I don't know if I'm you guys are on pins and needles. Maybe I shouldn't be. But in about what ten more minutes? Yeah, but the uh, the I don't I don't want to call it a press conference, but the event should start in about ten minutes, and he should commit right after that. Yeah. All right, guys. You still think it's fifty fifty? I, I think Auburn's better than 50-50. I don't want to say 95-5 because that's what Cam Coleman was. But, yeah, you uh, let's all go there, please. Right. The crystal balls have been very favorable to Auburn over the last 24 hours. We'll put it that way. But that's I will say, me. I will say, me, Steve, <laughs> you just, you know, I, w- I want to say it's, you know, it's in Auburn's favor and all the crystal balls do say that. But whenever you're dealing with Alabama and Georgia, you know, you, you hold on tight. So, <laughs> Well, even if he does commit to us, I ain't hooping and hollering until I see his signature on a piece of paper. And that is also fair because of the way, well, I mean, he's already decommitting right here if he if he does decommit from Georgia, and there's still four months to go or five months to go. So you never know. But, uh, again, they say it's the final commitment. I'm not going to take that 100% for word, but I do think it's at least maybe a firmer commitment than the previous one. 
All right, guys. Hey, thank you as always for your thoughts and comments and for your letting me uh, make maybe some sense once in a while. Uh, with that, you'll have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll do this again hopefully tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward MC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We've got a minute or two left before the end of hour number one. Again, chalked full show for the next two hours. As again, we'll let you know the Demarcus Riddick decision coming back, hopefully for the four o'clock break. I know sometimes these commitments can take 10, 15, eh, 20 minutes. The good news is we do have our Phil Still interview planned for 415, but it's pre-recorded, so we need to bump it 420, something like that. We can do that. And then after that Phil Still interview, we are going to get into the over-unders for the Big Ten Conference. Again, uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this the last couple of days with the SEC, which was on Monday, the Pac-12, which was on Tuesday. And, of course, if you missed any of that, go back and check it out. On the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola taste the feeling. Again, you can find the Sports Call podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More Sports Call, including that DeMarcus Riddick decision right after the break. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Our number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Wednesday. Fun next couple of hours coming up. We'll let you know the DeMarcus Riddick destination here in just a few moments. Uh, we will get to birthdays and sports here in just a second as well. Phil Steele, we had a pre-recorded conversation with him. We're going to play that here in just about 15 minutes or so. And then after that, we're going to go through the 2023 Big Ten win totals over-unders 
Uh, a lot to digest out of that. We'll, we'll pick some of our best bets there. So, again, fun next couple of hours coming up. Uh, before, again, we, we get the Reddit commitment as we wait for that, uh, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports today. Today, excuse me, Lyle Collins, who turns 30, offensive tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, started his career at LSU. Go Tigers! Where he was first-team All-SEC in 2014 and second-team All-American, went undrafted in 2015 and signed with the Cowboys. Collins was very successful with Dallas, eventually signing a three-year, $21 million deal with the Bengals in 2022. And before LSU, he was at Redemptorist High School. Excuse me? Redemptorist <laughs> High School, Catholic School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go Wolves. Go Wolves. Nice. Redemptorist Wolves. Redemptorist Wolves. Yeah. Redemptorist. I thought you said redenture, like dentures, like dinner. I was like, oh. Redempt. Redemptorist. Okay. Redemptorist. All right. I like that. That's going to be hard to beat. Lyle Collins turns 30 today. And Joe Smith turns 48. Former power forward in the NBA, Smith is a former number one overall pick out of the University of Maryland. Go Terps. There you go. Let's go Turtles. During his time at Maryland, he was a college basketball player (laughs) of the year, ACC player of the year, consensus All-American, and much more in 1995. In the draft, Smith was selected first overall by the Golden State Warriors. That was a whoops. Smith played the NBA for 16 seasons and 12 different teams, but not exactly living up to that number one overall pick status. Joe Smith turned 48 today. Joe Smith is from Norfolk, Virginia, where he attended Matthew Fontaine Maury High School. They just call it Maury High School, M-A-U-R-Y. You are not the father. You oh, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, straight out of Maury High School, go Commodores. Nice. Go Commodores. So that's another different one. That is that's good. That's a unique one. Yeah, we got two solid ones to start off with. Now we go to Keanu Neal, who turns 28. Current safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Neal also spent time with the Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Neal spent his collegiate career playing at the University of Florida. Go Gators! In 2016, Neal was selected 17th overall by the Atlanta Falcons. In 2017, Neal was named to a Pro Bowl. He has 473 career tackles to date. Straight out of South Sumter, actually I should say straight out of Bushnell, Florida, South Sumter High School, go Raiders! Raiders, all right. Still uh, different. We're not lions, tigers, and bears. Yeah, We've got raiders. That's fair. That's We've fair. had us a wolves, a com- commodores, maybe, and raiders. Maybe he should uh, finish his career in Las Vegas then uh, with, with those raiders. And then uh, Brandon Morrow turns 39, former starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. Played with five different teams throughout his career, but his longest being with the Toronto Blue Jays. Before his professional career, Morrow was a standout pitcher at Cal. Go Golden Bears. Being selected for the first team all Pac-10. His MLB career, he had a 3.96 earned run average with over 875 career strikeouts. Fun fact, Morrow became the first pitcher in Major League history to pitch 100 innings in one season without the team recording a double play behind him. That, that is a... Wow. That is a niche thing right there. I would not have. You are known very that. welcome for that. So, so hundred innings, and he never got uh, got two two for the price of one. Now he's from Ronert Park, California, where he went to Rancho Cotate High School. Go Cougars! Cougars. Okay. Well, we we fell back. We fell down. We got a little more bland as we went along there. Uh, yeah. But Cougars uh, and Golden started Bears. off hot though. Yes. Yeah. We definitely got can't, cooking to start the game. Yeah. Can't can't have it all. I guess. Uh, that's fair. And Lyle Collins thirty. Joe Smith forty eight. Keanu Neal twenty eight. Brandon Morrow thirty nine. 
Those are the birthdays in sports today on this Wednesday, July the 26th. Any moment now, commitment from Demarcus Riddick. We'll let you know on that. They will not have updated the the, the on-three rankings and that sort of thing um, until uh, a little bit later today, so I don't know if that will impact it in time for us to discuss it on the show. That Right now, Auburn's class is number 20. Uh, it is also still 11th. Uh, in the SEC when you factor in Oklahoma and Texas, and now is starting to become the appropriate time to do that because, of course, this next recruiting class will not play down in the Big 12. It will only be playing in the SEC. So that's why uh, we, we're now factoring in the Texas and Oklahoma uh, into the recruiting rankings. So if Riddick is, is to commit to Auburn, that would certainly move them up a little bit. And uh, we've now got the news. Demarcus Riddick has committed to Auburn. Yeah. He decommitted from Georgia. Five-star linebacker. I have seen six tweets, seven tweets. The tweets are coming. It Everybody's talking. Uh, words are being said. Well, I, while that was going on, Pete Thamel put a little ex, uh, conference realignment note out there. So I guess we'll talk about that yeah, a little not, bit not later. Right, so, uh, not right yeah, now. But yeah. uh, Demarcus Riddick, a five-star linebacker, flipping from Georgia to Auburn. Tom, again, this is one of the first marquee get, maybe the first marquee oh, get yeah, for Hugh Freeze uh, in his time recruiting here for Auburn. It, it is. Uh, and it will be interesting to see if he is the first domino to fall because there's still a lot of talk out there that uh, – uh, Perry Thompson, yeah, uh, the uh, wide five star wide receiver currently at Bama, may flip to Auburn, and he even put a thing out on uh, his Instagram that was Demarcus Riddick's na- Instagram name and like a smiley face emoji. Right. People are kind of reading into that, like, hey, you know, something's going on here. But we'll see what happens with that. But right now, recruiting is weird, man. You know, it really <laughs> is. But uh, but Demarcus Riddick is uh, committed to Auburn. Uh, as a lot of people thought, like we said, the fact that he was doing uh, this today and doing another uh, press conference and another ceremony when he's already committed to Georgia led people to believe that there was probably a flip in, imminent, uh, which that turned out to be true. And then, of course, there was a, a lot of talk on the Bama boards, uh, Bama Online and some of those that were pretty much indicating that he was going to flip to Auburn. So. Uh, I think word got out there uh, around the the right air the 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 people that follow recruiting that this was going to happen. So I don't think there's much surprise there. But huge huge get for Hugh Freeze and that staff. I know they're celebrating over there right now. I'm sure our guy Trevon Reed is is excited and 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 you know, putting the eyeball emojis out right. there. Are we stuff. done yet? Are we done yet? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, big get and and hopefully it's like I said just the first of the dominoes to fall. Uh, this should not surprise you, though, with Hugh Freeze. Everybody knows how he recruited at Ole Miss. Maybe a little too good at Ole Miss that caused some red flags to come up and kind of got him in a little bit of trouble over there. But um, it's huge. Uh, I mean, it, it's just absolutely huge to be able to get a guy of, of that caliber to, to commit here. Right. That uh, that alleviates uh, the, the chatter and the, the disappointment a little bit around uh, the Cam Coleman-Texas A&M commitment because – I think everyone, when you're looking at the three players that Auburn had at the very highest. Now, there's other big-time guys that recruited that maybe uncommitted, that sort of thing. But the three guys that they were really looking at and really trying hard on, Cam Coleman, 
Hey, he's off the board. Again, all this is for now. We're not – this is not like party time where it's like, all right, <laughs> sure. well, Reddick's going to go suit up tomorrow. I mean, no, we still got to go champagne, four you know? more months um, before he actually signs. But And same for Cam Coleman, but Cam Coleman goes to A&M. That was one. DeMarcus Riddick was two here, uh, the biggest defensive player that Auburn had been working on, committed somewhere else, uh, was was at Georgia for a long period of time, or at least committed there, obviously, and now flipping. And then the other one would be Perry Thompson, the wide receiver uh, that is committed to Alabama. Those three guys were the three that Auburn, of those upper echelon or top echelon guys, those were the three, Thompson, Coleman, and Riddick were the three that Auburn had huge sights on. They are now one for two. Uh, they're still working on Thompson. I don't know if that's going to be the same dynamic where he feels the need to have an official uh, you know, final decision, that sort of thing. I don't know if he's going to want to have another commitment. The great thing about these, these, these kids now have these intricate posts or videos or that sort of thing, and then they end up just doing it all over again six and 12 and 18 months later sometimes. But – Again, for today, Auburn victorious in this recruiting battle, uh, one of the ones that they really wanted and needed to win as they try to try to flip the narrative on the recruiting cycles here at Auburn. So, so I mentioned our guy, Trevon Reed, was probably going to be posting some eyeball emojis. Oh, he did. Yep. There's just too many for me to count. Right. It's, it's about it's, 40 eyeballs. It's all eyeball emojis. And then Hugh Freeze also uh, tweeted out, WD Eagle, Eagle, exclamation point. Do you like the Yahtzee when he tweets that out? you a fan of that? I – one of the greatest things that I saw, the Yahtzee thing is awesome, and I hope somebody puts the video up for this one. And I forget who it was that Auburn got the commitment from, but then there was a video of him shaking a Yahtzee cup uh-huh. and rolling the dice, and he looks at the camera and he goes, Yahtzee. Yeah. It's like, oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. There's a lot. There, there's some happy cuss words I could say with that. But, <laughs> um it's a PG show. It's no. a PG show, but that, but that was so cool. Like, I mean, he rolls the dice on and just looks at the camera, and goes Yahtzee. Yeah, like, we no, need I, that. We need that. I one like for it this. too. I know some. Uh, I know some people don't. Uh, not throwing anyone under the bus, but I know some people here don't either. Uh, but I I do like it. And no, not UTP. I I'm not saying. Do you do you like it? I, I don't. I know think. I mean, I think yeah. it's cool. I mean, yeah. I, I it doesn't it doesn't turn me. You know, on or off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just like, oh, you know, that's creative. Yeah, so. so I appreciate the creativity at the there bare minimum. Go, yeah. Gus had the boom, and Harson had the crew. I don't know if he really leaned into it, though. <laughs> Everyone else was like, crew finger, and it's like, no, that dude just takes a picture like this every single time. Like, he literally, Brian Harson, every single picture, he the finger's pointing at the whoever he's beside. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, that, that was that. But uh, now Hugh Freeze and, and Auburn leaning into the yacht scene again. They get... A big-time target, Demarcus Riddick, to flip from Georgia to Auburn today, the five-star linebacker out of Chilton County High School. We're going to take our first time out here in hour number two. When we come back, Phil Steele will join us at Phil Steele Publications. We had a chat with him earlier. You'll hear that next. Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. 
This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. And now we're pleased to go to the Auburn Bank phone line today, and we welcome on Phil Steele today of Phil Steele Publications, the magazine to get in college football. Phil, the time is greatly appreciated today. How are you this afternoon? You know, I am doing great. It's uh summertime so i'm down to working 50 or 60 hours a week just doing a bunch of radio shows so i'm, I'm having fun it sure beats a magazine deadline uh, seven months of hard work absolutely and phil we have a couple questions for you with the magazine to start off with and then we'll get into uh what the sec and what auburn's looking like here in 2023 uh we, we talk about on this show all the time with with auburn and all these teams about the transfer portal how difficult for is it for you and your staff now with all these roster turnovers even up until i imagine publishing day i mean how do you keep up with all this and try to get the rosters as airtight as you can yeah, it makes it a lot more difficult, I'll tell you that much. You know, uh, let's go back about 10 years ago. I was able to send the magazine to the press uh, in May, and it would be out on the newsstands probably at the start of June, uh, which was always a good thing. But now the transfer portal closed on May 15th. Uh, and you can't go to the press once the transfer portal closes because you have all those players now that are up in the air. Where are they going? So I made it three weeks later. We didn't go to the press until June 7th. And I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches. Uh, usually spent about an hour with each. They all have my cell phone number. And I said, look, if you sign anybody in the transfer portal, we go to the press June 7th. You can text me up to June 6th, and we'll be able to get them on the page. So I was getting texts on June 6th. We're rewriting position write-ups and dropping them in projected starting lineups. Made it pretty frantic the last couple of days. But I do think we captured about 95 to 96 percent of the transfer portal moves that happened uh, and uh, makes the magazine uh, pretty much up to date. With uh, Phil, with you doing this for, for such a long period of time and now the reputation, I know we had it uh, with us, had a couple copies with us at SEC Media Days last week. What are you most proud of with the magazine? Uh, that all the media members use the magazine, I think, is uh, one of the main things that makes it be very proud. And the other one is uh, that 123 of the head coaches will, will talk to me and, and give me about an hour of their time uh, going over the team with them. So those are probably the two biggest things that have uh, uh, really made it uh, well worthwhile. And, and it has me looking in the future saying, you know, I could do this for another 15, 20 years. Oh, we love to hear that. And, Phil, when we transition now into Auburn here for 2023, obviously a transition period for the program in itself with Hugh Freeze coming on, uh, former Ole Miss coach returning to the SEC after some time in Liberty, very active in that transfer portal this offseason. How has what he's done in the portal kind of reshaped your expectations for year one here in 2023 for Auburn? Yeah, I think he's done a great job in the portal. And, uh, you know, not just bringing players in, but probably bringing in the right players at a lot of the positions. And, you know, one of the biggest factors, I think, with Auburn football, if, if I go back to last year, uh, you, when um, 
Carson was there, and they lost to Penn State, and then two weeks later blew the 17-0 lead against LSU. You knew at that point Harson was gone, and and yet they didn't cut him loose right at that point. And so I, I think the Auburn players probably were going to practice, going, how long are we going to be listening to this guy? Because I think everybody in the country knew that he was not going to be there at the end of the year, and that's why the losing streak happened. Then we saw Cadillac Williams take over at the end of the year. They won two of the last three games. Uh, I thought they played well even early against Alabama. Now this year, one of the big questions I had for Coach Freeze is what's the buy-in program of the of the team? And he feels that the players are fully bought in this year. So I think that's, first of all, a large advantage. Then when we take a look at some of the players he's brought in, you know, Peyton Thorne will contend for the quarterback job. Brian Batia is a guy that I really like from South Florida, a dangerous return man, also rushed for 1,000 yards. I actually like the way he ran between the tackles, despite being uh, 5'7", I think he's going to be a nice plus. Caleb Burton coming over from Ohio State was one of the top wide receivers out of high school, my number six rated wide receiver. Uh, he's added to it. Uh, Jair Shorter comes in from North Texas after having 600 yards receiving. They bring in a top-notch tight end in Rivaldo Fayweather from FIU. Uh, you look at the offensive line, I project three transfers as starters up there. And, you know, with uh, Philip Montgomery as the offensive coordinator, he brought in some Tulsa offensive linemen with him. I like that. They know the, the offensive schemes and, and know it well. Uh, nose tackle, Justin Rogers coming in from Kentucky, I think is a nice big plus. Elijah McAllister uh, from Vanderbilt at the defensive end spot. And even an Austin Keys coming in from Ole Miss, a middle linebacker. These are all big-time uh, transfers that I think will have an impact in their first year. Phil, you touched on one of these transfers here a second ago. Uh, Peyton Thorne coming in from Michigan State. In your magazine, however, you have Robbie Ashford uh, holding on to that starting role. What led to that decision, and what do you think of Auburn's quarterback battle as a whole? I think it will be a battle, clearly. Uh, I like the fact that Ashford's been in the system longer. He's a mobile quarterback. I think the mobile quarterback fits the uh, freeze offense better, but you know it was one of those 50-50 things at press time, guys, where we're like, uh, and and plus, you know, Peyton Thorne was coming off a year where he wasn't all that impressive uh, for Michigan State uh, last year. Of course, didn't have a tremendous supporting cast. Uh, I think it's going to be a battle right down to the to the end. It wouldn't surprise me if Thorne won it, but uh, you know, you have to pick one of the two, and I went with Ashford. Phil, you've been doing this magazine for several several years now, and you've gotten a chance to talk to Hugh Freeze at several different stops. And when you had your conversation with him this year uh, ahead of uh, publishing the magazine for his first year at Auburn, what were your takeaways from him as compared to when you've talked to him at other stops? Well, you know, let's go back to his Liberty days. Uh, I got to tell you, he impressed me at Liberty very much. Uh, you wondered what kind of situation it was in, you know, being away from football for a year or two as the head man. Uh, but it stepped in and got him eight and five, then ten and one his second year, and uh, eight and five. And, and last year they probably would have had a better year had the rumors of Hugh Freeze leaving not happened. I think, think that uh, affected uh, Liberty down the stretch, and they lost some of those games that they probably would have won had those rumors not been going on. I've always been impressed with the job that he's done on the field and uh, bringing in players. Uh, you know, I would not have imagined Liberty getting to the level they did under Hugh Freeze. And I think you go back to his uh, old Miss days when talked to him there. Uh, you know, I thought he did a great job there. So this uh, uh, top-notch head coach coming in gets the most out of the talent on hand, and uh, I think he's going to do uh, a heck of a job this year. And then you look around at the staff he's assembled around him. What are your thoughts about especially bringing in a guy like Philip Montgomery, who was the head coach uh, at the FBS level last year? 
Yeah, and Phil Montgomery's the guy I talked to each of the years that he was at Tulsa, and he was there for like seven or eight years. So I, this guy knows offense. Go back to his Baylor days. Remember at Baylor in 2014, the type of explosive offense he had, and with the players he's got at running back and receiver to work with, I think that Phil Montgomery is going to pilot a very successful offense this year. Phil, Auburn not the only quarterback battle going on in the SEC. I think the most intriguing one is happening at Georgia right now. Uh, you got a couple of the, the two-year starter leaving back-to-back national championships, but you're bringing in a new quarterback. Who do you think is going to win that battle, and do you think the dogs can three-peat? Uh, I do think Georgia has a chance of three-peating this year, and I believe it's going to be Carson Beck. In fact, uh, Carson Beck right now I believe is 18-1 to 1 to win the Heisman. I think that's worth a wager, and here's why. Uh, when I looked at uh, went over Georgia's defense uh, last year, uh, the there was concern about the experience level that they had at Georgia on defense. Remember, they lost like nine draft picks. Well, this year they only lost five draft picks off the defense. They're actually not the same concerns defensively. It's probably the best defense in the country. Look at them offensively. They got my number one rated offensive line, number four set of receivers. And last year it was pretty much Brock Bowers uh, as the main receiving threat, along with uh, McConkey. Well, those two are both back. They had in Rara Thomas from Mississippi State, who was that team's leading receiver last year. They had in Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who was that team's leading receiver from last year. So, and uh, Arian Smith, I think, is a guy that can emerge. So, I, I like the receiving core. The running backs are deep, and then it comes to the quarterback. Now, Carson Beck's been in the system for four years, so he knows the offense inside and out. He's got a great supporting cast. George is going to be a double-digit favorite in their first ten games this year, so he's got a lot of time to grow and learn. And by by the time that first real tough road test comes along, the first time they won't be a double-digit favorite, that's at Tennessee. He'll have 10 games under his belt. And let's face it, any first-year starting quarterback and with 10 games under his belt is no longer a first-year starting quarterback. They're a veteran. We're talking to Phil Still of Phil Still Publications today on Sports Call, the most accurate magazine of the last 28 years. Phil, one more Auburn question for you before I have a couple more in the SEC. Uh, when we talk about this reshaped roster, other than the quarterback position, what would concern you most about this team? Uh, I would have to say, let me take a look now and think about this for just one second. Uh, I'm going to say receivers need a little bit of work this year. Um, you know, there's no uh, proven guy that's done it here. Uh, I think that that's going to be uh, one of the question marks would probably be receiver. And when I look on the defensive side of the ball, they do lose a, a second-round draft pick and a fifth-round draft pick at linebacker. Uh, but it's not a deep position. I think the depth at linebacker would concern me, especially after losing a couple of draft picks. So I'm going to go with receiver on offense and linebacker depth on defense. Looking at the whole league now, Phil, the SEC West, we already did some over-under totals for the SEC a little bit earlier in the week, and uh, there was a hodgepodge of teams right around that six-and-a-half number, and in the West Division in particular, teams three through seven seem to be uh, very close. How do you kind of sort through the old Misses, Arkansas, Texas A&Ms of the world in the SEC West? Yeah, and I'm going to surprise you a little bit with how I feel about Texas A&M. I actually put Texas A&M up there with Alabama and LSU. I think they're clearly in the mix in the West. So I like their over-under. I believe it's 7.5 this year, and here's why I like them. Uh, first of all, when you look at Texas A&M last year, they were number 124 on my experience chart, one of the least experienced teams in the country. And going over the team with Coach Fisher last year, uh, we'd get to the end of a, most positions, like the offensive line, and he would say, Phil, I feel our offensive line is going to be one of the best in the country. 
next year. And a lot of them ended up with next year. Well, it's next year, and they are a much more experienced team. They're number 14 on my experience chart. That's a jump of 110 spots. Uh, and I wrote a couple blogs on philsteel.com about the experience check, uh, chart. It tells you how teams in the top 20 do, how teams that make that big of a jump. There, There is a difference record-wise. And keep in mind, last year, they lost Anaya Smith, their top wide receiver, after four games. They used three different starting quarterbacks due to injury, suffered injuries on the defense and offensive line. Well, this year, 10 starters back on offense, 10 on defense. And last year, even in that 5-7 and seven season, they beat LSU 38-23. to And they're at Alabama's two-yard line in Tuscaloosa on the road with a chance to win the game on the final play of the game. So they've, the talent level that Jimbo's been bringing in over the last five years recruiting-wise, uh, the fact they played with the big boys last year, I feel they are one of the big boys this year. I really like A&M over the 7.5. And, and then my number four spot in the West this year goes to Ole Miss. And when I look at Ole Miss, they're a team that got off to a great start last year, 7-0. and And you could pretty much see that. In fact, I mentioned it in the magazine last year. This team could be 7-0. and But then it wasn't a great finish for them. But they got uneven quarterback play. I think the quarterback play will be much stronger this year. Jackson Dart was a vastly improved QB in the spring. They've got one of the best running backs in the country in Quishon Junkins. Uh, the offensive line looks solid. And unlike last year, when they were number 118 in my experience, starting just loaded with transfers, they've got a lot of transfers again this year, but now they're number 27 on my experience chart, so they don't have to rely as much on transfers, but they, they bring in a lot of talent. And when you look at their schedule this year, yeah, I've got them a dog at Alabama and at Georgia. I've got a couple of toss-up games like at Auburn, Texas A&M at home, but I feel this is a team that uh, it will probably come on in that fourth spot in the West this year. And then, Phil, taking a look at your, your 2023 preseason All-SEC team, you go first team to fourth team. You've got four quarterbacks listed there, Jaden Daniels, K.J. Jefferson, Joe Milton, and Will Rogers. I know you mentioned and you talked very highly of Carson Beck a couple minutes ago. Is that a quarterback that you could see slipping into one of these top four quarterback positions, or is there somebody else on the SEC that you're looking at and say, this guy can make a jump this year? Yeah, Carson Beck would probably be the guy that I would uh, pound the table for preseason. Naturally, I couldn't put him up there. He hasn't done anything yet uh, in college football. I'm anticipating he will. Uh, and then Connor Wegman also from uh, Texas A&M. I like the way he played at the end of last year as a freshman. I think he could really emerge. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Carson Beck is a clear-cut Heisman uh, contender at the end of the year because if you're the quarterback for the number one team in the country and putting up good stats like I think he will, you have that opportunity. But also keep your eyes on Carson Weg- uh, of Wegman, I should say, Connor Wegman of uh, Texas A&M. I think he's going to have a pretty good year this year. Phil, the time has been greatly appreciated this afternoon. I know that uh, this magazine has been the bread and butter, so we want to plug where that is. But also we know that you do a lot of work throughout the season, so tell our listeners where they can find the magazine and what they can follow along with during the football season. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And uh, unlike past years where you could pretty much get the magazine everywhere, Walmarts, grocery stores, uh, places like that, this year it's only available in two places, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million are your two exclusive stores. You can head out there today, 352 pages, three to four times the amount of information any other magazine, and we give you a full page write-up on Akron or Sam Houston State, the same write-up we give you to Alabama or Ohio State. That's uh, at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. But if you go to the website, philsteel.com, you can order the magazine, and I'm going to charge you a shipping charge.
charge. It costs me to mail things. But what I also do is I give you the digital version absolutely free. And when you get the uh, digital version, it's updated all the way through September. As an example, if you take a look at the uh, Northwestern page, it lists David Brown as the starting or as the head coach at Northwestern, not Pat Fitzgerald. So it does give us that option. We circle players that are out for the year. That's at philsteel.com. And one final thing I like to toss out at you is that the FCS magazine is available right now. Two full pages on every FCS team. I think there's 117 FCS versus FBS games this year. So if you'd like to check that out, it's available right now at philsteel.com. I think Brooks is absolutely going to have to find a way to to get that one. I think he's very excited about it. Phil, the time has been greatly appreciated. We wish you well throughout this football season. We look forward to talking to you again down the line. Hey, sounds great. A lot of fun talking football with you guys today. Absolutely. That is Phil Steele joining us today on Sports Call. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Tom Peavy. You just heard from a couple of other other, other great co-hosts, Brooks Childress and Brant Dontry, on that interview with Phil Steele in that recorded earlier today. Appreciate Phil for joining the show. Uh, good stuff right there talking. Uh, Phil's always more on the optimistic line. We, we asked him the question on uh, on uh, what he was concerned about with Auburn. He had to come up with a, a couple on the fly there. There wasn't anything that was just like, oh, yeah, this just could be terrible. Uh, had to had to make a little something there, and uh, again, really likes Texas A and M. And uh, I, I thought that you know we we talked about over unders on Monday, and we're going to talk about each team in the league mm-hmm. and, and have, spend a day on them a little bit later uh, here or get into the month of August. We'll do that. And A uh, and M is again a polarizing subject. Again, some think that that's just the end of Jimbo Fisher that this is not going to go well this year either with Petrino. I kind of lean towards that side of the equation, but he gave a pretty compelling case of why they might be okay and why they might uh, go over the seven and a half. Uh, Talked about the experience that they had uh, coming back and uh, the injuries they had last year. So he made a pretty compelling case there. But, uh, again, appreciate Phil for, for joining us. Always does a great job with the magazine and puts out so much content throughout the year too again uh, if you're just joining us uh, right before that demarcus riddick did commit to auburn uh, flipping his commitment from georgia to auburn and also just a big deal in my opinion yes this flip from georgia yes you you fought off alabama for his services too again we're we're careful to say there's still four months left we'll see make sure nothing 
nothing else flips here. But assuming that he does go to Auburn, I also find it relevant and important that this is a big defensive recruit for yeah. an offensive-minded head coach. You saw, to be fair, he did get some big-time defensive recruits at Ole Miss too. Robert Kimdichie, of course, mm-hmm. the chief among those. Uh, but you know, at times, one side of the ball could feel like it could get a little bit more. Uh, more heavy just because you've got a reputation there and you work it to your advantage and you spend a little bit more time there. But it's also very important with what you feel you're not as strong at to recruit that side of the ball uh, incredibly well and, and getting the first real huge recruit. And, of course, Auburn's also got some of their other top four or five recruits uh, in the cycle so far also on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that uh, they're off to a really good start making sure that it's a balanced attack. And we do have the updated rankings, by the way. On three was on top of it. So, again, uh, c- coming into that Reddit commit, Auburn was 20th in the rankings. They are now 16th. So that once one player alone jumped them four spots. And the teams they jumped over are all very relevant. They jumped over three SEC or soon-to-be SEC teams. They had jumped over South Carolina, Texas, Miami, and then Arkansas. So uh, that was a uh, very relevant jump. Again, it puts them right behind Oklahoma, LSU. Reminder, Auburn has 12 players committed today. Oklahoma has 16. LSU has 19. So, again, this this average recruiting ranking for Auburn at 90.41, again, according to On3. Yes, they're 16th in the country, but average-wise, they're higher than Oklahoma, LSU, Florida State, and Oregon. That's through 12. A&M's a little higher at 11, but they're higher than Notre Dame. They're the even with Tennessee. They're ahead of Penn State, even with Clemson, ahead of Michigan, uh, behind Alabama, behind Florida, behind Ohio State, behind Georgia. So they're roughly about ninth in terms of average-rated uh, rated recruits. So if Auburn can keep pacing in this way and get 10 to 15 more players, they would end up with a top-10 class, in other words, sure. if, the, if the numbers end up equal. So, right. again, just want to give a perspective there on how Auburn – why they're ranked 16th, which, of course, because they don't have as many players. But if they get to that count, they are on a top-10 pace in terms of right. the quality of guy they're getting. And and, and now, like we, we mentioned, all eyes are going to be on Perry Thompson, the uh, wide receiver out of Foley that is currently committed to Alabama, five-star receiver. This is the one thing that you mentioned is, is that uh, a defensive player for Hugh Freeze – one of the things that I'm ready to start seeing and you know desperately want to see because we haven't seen it in a long time are the five star skill position players start coming here. The these the blue chipper wide receivers, blue chip running backs, blue chip quarterbacks. That's where you know Hugh Freeze can really do some damage and really start you know making noise. Getting Perry Thompson to flip if that happens is a huge shot across the bow. It's this is already a shot across the bow to both Georgia and Alabama. And so uh, getting Perry Thompson to flip uh, is really kind of that wake-up call to other teams. Is like, hey, Hugh Freeze is serious with what's going on here right now. The days of the Brian Harson stuff are done. And, and, you know, bringing in two stars and trying to make do with that, you know, it's showing that Auburn's about to be for real. Yeah, I mean, if Auburn is able to land Perry Thompson – 
I mean, when was the last time Auburn landed a five-star receiver? I it's mean, been a it's been long, long. Was Kyle Davis five, rated five-star? I think he was a high four. He was a high four, but I mean, like we'd have to Google that, and especially pulling him the, from from that Mobile area that Alabama recruits so well, and LSU right. recruits super well that area. And he's just if you pull in the film, he is. He is electric. Yeah. He is so much fun to watch. There was a there was a five star receiver that Auburn got back several years ago that um, ended up not. He ended up transferring away. He played some here. Nate um, Craig Myers. Nate Craig Myers. Was he a five star? Nate Craig Myers. I'm pretty sure was a five star. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check this. The good news is they would pop. Didn't up expect a Nate Craig Myers name drop today yeah. on the show. If he was not a consensus five, he was definitely five by. Some of them. Yeah, I'm going through two, four, seven. went to Colorado State, I remember that. Yeah, that was one of the transfers. You had, obviously, the last five-star was Papo in 19, as you guys talked about. Right. Bo Nix was a very high four-star. Uh, 18, no five-stars for Auburn. 2017, again, all this is via two, four, seven. On three was not as prevalent right. back then, but they would probably have some retrospect. In 2017, Auburn had three, TD Moultrie, Calvin Ashley, and they also rated Jarrett Stidham as a transfer. Uh, five star and seventeen, so I guess that's the last time a five star quarterback. Although Nick's right. might have been a five star via one or two services. Derek right. Brown was five star. Yep. Kyle Davis is the number fifty four player in the class, but he was not a five star. That was twenty sixteen. Uh, 2015, Byron Cowart, five star. LOL to that. Javon <laughs> Robinson, five star uh, out of Hargrave Military or uh, Georgia Military College. Uh, carry on high four. So still, still not finding it. I'm it just goes to going. show that Auburn yep. has struggled with that. So Nate Craig tier, was not so. a five. He was not. Okay. It just uh, shows that found it finally. Twenty fourteen. They had two five stars. One was Trey Williams out of St. Paul's Episcopal, and Dequil Williams, better known as Duke, Duke. Williams, oh. who was quite good uh, when he was on the field. Um, so twenty fourteen. Last time they had a five star wide receiver. Of course, that would be a almost a decade ago. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, getting Riddick period. is not that, but we're, we're talking right. about Riddick, Riddick, Riddick yeah. is is that key cog at, on the at linebacker side. right yep. now. Uh, but but the other thing is, uh, oh oh goodness, the the kid that Auburn got the commitment from from Tuskegee, Booker T. Uh, Joe Phillips. Yep, Joe Phillips. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they're they're loading up right now on the, that's two linebackers they've loaded up on. So Joe Phillips and. They're loading up a linebacker, but they're also stealing these guys from Georgia, the two-time defending national champion. All signs had Joe Phillips going to Georgia. Yep. He, the, everybody had him going to Georgia, and all of a sudden, Hugh Freeze made the push, and he decided I, and he commit, decided to commit to Auburn. And, and now you've had Demarcus Riddick flip from Georgia to Auburn. Man. That's a, that's pretty sporty for a guy that has not even coached a football game here at Auburn yet. Yeah, after they went five and seven last year, you're landing right. some great talent flipping them from Georgia. I mean, I mean, how could it get much better? And, and well, you might be flipping a guy from Alabama, and then behind him, you might be flipping another guy from Alabama for 2025. So yeah. I would think too that part of this comes into play. Uh, we get, uh, this is going to sound like, oh, come on, man. Don't, who cares? <laughs> uh, but I think part of this, look, multiple linebackers play, obviously, but Georgia does have three five star players, and one of those is a linebacker, Justin Williams, out of uh, Conroe, Texas, who's the number nine player in the country. Sure. And Israel is the number one linebacker from three of the four services. So I don't know if, if that has part of the play. Again, Georgia obviously is not be. hurting for this. Right. Um, I, I'm sure. With with Phillips, you know, it's possible they just lost some interest there. 
uh, that would have been more of a yeah you might play one day type of deal right but with Riddick that was clearly something you know you're taking five stars whether you already got one or two of them or not unless it's a quarterback but then at that rate a quarterback wouldn't consider you if you've already got one or two big time quarterbacks in there so that might be part of that but yeah again again we talked about the we mentioned the defensive side there, and it really is, for the top five or six guys, it is a balance of what Auburn has in terms of their top-rated guys. Again, Auburn has uh, – they have one five-star and six four-stars via on three. So we'll go through those seven players real quick. Demarcus Riddick is the five-star linebacker. Joe Phillips is the second-highest-rated player, also a linebacker, number 119 in the country. The third is a quarterback, Walker White, number 10 quarterback in the in the class, 138 nationally. Then you've got another defense player, a DB, this time Jalen. Crawford, that was a pretty recent commit. Jamari and Fat Burnett out of Andalusia, so that's a four-star running back, number 18 running back in the country. Then another corner in Amon Lane, uh, who uh, just holding on to three uh, four-star status at number 322 in the country out of Alabaster. And then another corner, Jaden Lewis out of Aniston. So they've got three corners that are four-stars. They've got two linebackers, four-star better. But then they do have two skill positions so far, quarterback and running back right. at at least four-star. And I know I know that you're wanting like a number 10 player in the class oh, yeah. type of guy but right. at some point. But, again, of what they've got so far, um, do have a couple big skill position players there and obviously the the big-time stuff there at linebacker with Joe Phillips yeah. and now DeMarcus Riddick. Yeah, you know, the big thing is that, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze is just kind of putting people on notice with, with this Riddick commit. And then if they do flip Perry Thompson, like I said, it's going to, you know, really reinforce it that Hugh Freeze is for real, that, you know, people are on notice that, that some of these guys that they have just been able to get without much of a fight, that there's actually going to be somebody here at Auburn now fighting to get those guys here. Yeah. And, and one could make a difference. You know, Riddick – could be one of your best recruiters that you have out there and, and and start getting some of these other elite players to come and join him uh i'm looking at twitter right now um he tweeted out riddick tweeted out so proud to be part of the tiger family tiger 100 100 100 uh see you at big cat weekend okay which is coming up this weekend of right. course and yep. auburn will be very busy at work trying to land a couple other well, time targets and, well and one of those I think that's coming to Big Cat is Perry Thompson. It is. That is confirmed. He is. So there so, you go. There you go. Working. Definitely working here. We've got a couple minutes left yeah, in the feel, hour. It feels so good. Yes. To, I mean, I'm not. Like, ha- forward motion with the football program not, feels so good right now. That's like, we're, there's actually something to be happy about. Like, uh, we're not yeah. having to propagandize like this 712th <laughs> ranked player. I was like, oh, you know, it might help out. It's like, and that's like your fourth, fourth rated recruit at that point. Uh, not, again, we know that sub three stars can obviously boom, but if that's the majority of your class, then oh, you're, yeah. you're you're asking for trouble in the Southeastern Conference. A uh, couple minutes left before the hour. Do want to hit this news? We don't have time to get in depth with it, but there was some news. TP mentioned it very briefly uh, in the midst of the Demarcus Riddick commitment, and that was from Ross Dellinger uh, of Yahoo. Now he uh, used to be of Sports Illustrated, and talking about that there is news that Colorado. Uh, is having Board of Regents uh, meetings uh, in regards to entering the Big 12. The Big 12 Conference is having a meeting with its teams. Uh, The Pac-12 had a meeting earlier today about TV contracts (laughs) that they have still not finalized. Well, that just took a hit. And (laughs) uh, it did, and this is why you needed to finalize it. Uh, as it is appearing that Colorado might be headed to the Big 12. Again, this is not official. These are meetings to, I assume, maybe to vote 
one way or the other or to discuss final logistics and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, but again, TP Colorado is 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 looking like they're going to make a move here. Yeah, Brett McMurphy tweeted out about uh, a couple minutes ago. He said that it's ninety eight percent done. Ninety-eight so percent done. That's what his source told him at at Action Network, where he works. So. so, we've been talking about this, and again, I can't I can't go into the detail I want to because, again, in hour number three, we as promised, we're going to deliver on those Big Ten win totals. We're going to get to it though, some tomorrow, some going forward. If the Pac-12 continued to drag their feet, there would be real consequences. It would affect the bottom line, affect the TV deal, also affect their membership. And they've been dealt two blows on, on top of the the ever flowing blow of not having a TV deal. Two more blows in the last two weeks. San Diego State basically reinserting themselves in the Mountain West. Look, we can put two new together. San Diego State was talking to the Mountain West about what it would take to leave because they were going to leave to the Pac-12. Okay, they're not saying the state's not going to go to the ACC or something egregious. They're not going to go down and play FCS football. They were investigating leaving the Pac-12. Well, last week the Mountains left Mountain West put their differences aside. Said, "Nope, just come back in the conference. We were we're rescinding the we thought you were leaving message. Come on back." And so San Diego State, for now at least, coming on back. We don't know if that will stay that way, but again, for now, coming on back. And now today, Colorado potentially joining the Big Twelve. And that is going to be an odd number of teams. So, again, you out there do the math. Do conferences like to sit on odd number of teams if they have a say? No, they do not. No, they absolutely do not. Sure, conference you say every blue moon or something like that, Sunbelt might have an, have an odd number. That's not the intent. And so there is probably someone else involved here too with the Pac-12, uh, from the Pac-12 at some point. And so if they bleed two more teams – on top of USC and UCLA, and those teams are still not Oregon or Washington, well, guess what? Guess who is next? The Big Ten phoning Oregon and Washington. And so this is humongously poor news for the Pac-12. Uh, yeah. And their commissioner, who continues to be absolutely dreadful at his job, <laughs> uh, without a TV deal, without a plan for new membership to replace Southern Cal and UCLA, it is, it is absolutely not going well for the Pacific 12 conference and uh, we will have more thoughts on it a little bit later uh, again probably tomorrow or Friday Uh, but again the big news Colorado potentially on their way back to the Big 12 grass is not always greener on the other side for the Buffaloes and so they are looking to be headed back to the Big 12 pending some more meetings with the Board of Regents and with the Big 12 conference we are out of time here for hour number two when we come back big 10 win total over unders you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, TP Hammock with us today on this Wednesday. Most of the area dry, raining right around us right now. But, uh, again, that's what can happen with an isolated storm or two on this time of day. But otherwise, it was a very hot, sunny afternoon. A lot of football discussions today. Uh, We heard from Phil Steele in hour number two, if you missed that. Go back and check it out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Had the five-star linebacker commit to Marcus Riddick, flip from Georgia to Auburn. Also had a little bit there at the end of the hour on Colorado, uh, looking like they are gearing up for a return to the Big 12, which would be yet another Pac-12 team bled. We were talking Pac-12 over-under win totals yesterday. Maybe we should go Pac-12 over-under teams leaving. Uh, and uh, that sort of thing. So today we continue going through the Power 5 conferences, though, as we start our number three with Big Ten win totals over-under. So again, as we've done the last couple of days, I'm going to read them all out so you can quickly digest them, and then we'll hit on some that we personally like to go over and under and just some intriguing ones. So let's go through it here. Ohio State and Michigan, best buds at the top at 10.5 win over-under. Penn State, 9.5. Wisconsin, 8.5. Iowa and Maryland at 7.5. Then Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, 6.5. 5.5 for Michigan State and Mel Tucker in that contract. 5.5 for Purdue. 3.5 for Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern. Again, these were taken about two weeks ago. I would not be shocked if Northwestern was lower than 3.5 on some services but again we are using stuff from two years ago via bet mgm and uh that's our source for that so if you hear any of that any of it sounds a little fishy that is why all right uh let's start at the top before we get into favorites or maybe this is one of your favorites to go over or under ohio state and michigan let's start there how do you feel about the ten and a half? Well, so what i'll say first of all is this with the big 10 if you got ohio state and michigan and then everything else is after that. I mean, it's going to be one of those two. I, I fully believe that. Um, really, between Ohio State and Michigan, I mean, it's kind of like, for me, toss coin. Uh, I, I think it's going to really come down to that rivalry game uh, with them two, and we'll see how it shakes out. And, and so, man, it, it's hard for me to – it's really hard for me to pick that. I mean, I'm 50-50 on both of those. It could go really either way between Michigan and Ohio State. So – uh, I don't know. That's my best answer. Is I I really don't know because they're I mean they're both just so close together as far as what they bring to the table. But but are you committed to one going over ten and a half at least, or do you think they're both going to go ten I'll, and two? I mean I, <sighs> yes, yeah, I concur. I I'm gonna I'm gonna go Ohio State on the over. Okay, I, I think Ohio State's a little more 
uh, I think I'll, I guess I would say that if I had to not flip the coin and pick one, I would go Ohio State with the over. Yeah, between I, those two, I would agree. Uh, I think I think you're totally right. I think uh, I think they both will probably come into that game undefeated, and I think I, I think both of them will actually go over because. Uh, Michigan's out-of-conference schedule is horrendous, as I know Ryan was talking about some of the games that Jim Harbaugh is suspended for, and that is, I believe, it is their whole entire out-of-conference. So I think they'll both go over it. I think I, I think Ohio State's got a little bit more of an edge just because I think this is where Tom was going away. I think they're more established, and I think they could be able to beat Michigan this year, but I think they both will go over it at 12-0 and and 11-1. and But if – I mean, I know Ohio State has to go to Notre Dame, but, you know, Notre Dame's, you know, they, they still got a lot of things to figure out. So, yeah, I would say they both will go over. I think that <sighs> I, one of them's clearly going over. I think I would be more committed to saying both are going over than to saying – definitely saying neither going over, but maybe even to having to have gun to my head picking one right now. Here's the problem. I think Ohio State, and I've thought this for a long time, to be fair, Ohio State always matches up better with SEC teams in the playoff than Michigan. Michigan-style play, that more pro-style, less spread stuff, less explosive stuff, that just doesn't cut it against Georgia and Alabama's type of defenses, against great defense. It just does not. Ohio State gets in there, though, and, and they've had a little bit more success. Not that they won every game, but they took – well, put it this way, there was like one close Georgia game last year, and it was decided by a field goal at the end, all right? Georgia then beat TCU by a million points after beating Oregon at the beginning of the year by a million points, after holding Tennessee to almost no points when Tennessee was scoring millions of points during the season. So of all those blowouts, all those bludgeonings, the one team to play him close was Ohio State with C.J. Stroud and company. Now, the problem is C.J. Stroud is not there anymore. Now, Ohio State has replaced quarterback after quarterback. Yes, they've not initially had great pro careers, but the college level it has not mattered. They've spit them out. They've been great. They are usually competent defensively. They usually have a great pass rusher. They, they have a clear formula, and it has now gone long enough with Ryan Day where I feel confident that, yeah, that's not an Urban Meyer thing. That's not holdover from that. Like, Ryan Day is his own thing and he's great too the problem is is that michigan has got a hold of them for the first time in a, in a long time right the last two years michigan's beat them uh concerningly easily last year which was weird but it obviously did not affect ohio state's ability to make the playoff and then they still proved they were very close uh there and, and, and deserving in the playoff but michigan's won the last two and and again not necessarily uh, down to the wire games there. So you wonder about that. That one's back in Ann Arbor in the big house this year. So that makes me a little worried if Ohio State's quarterback play is not great, going at Michigan, that sort of thing. If it's not C.J. Stroud level, basically we're taking a bet on Kyle McCord. Do you like Kyle McCord, TP? I do. He's extremely accurate. That has been. He has a great arm. He's very accurate. And some people are like, "Oh, in the spring game, he didn't look that good." It's a spring game, okay? Yeah, like, don't, yeah. <laughs> like, don't buy that stock. He's he's probably going to be the starter. I remember uh, we were talking about the betting odds for like Peyton Thorn yesterday. I'm pretty sure is now the favorite to be the starter. He's around. He, he's around a minus three hundred favorite to start this year. So he's he is known for his accuracy. So yes. Okay. So th- here's the deal. I almost. 
that I'm going to have my cake and eat it too. I think Ohio State's ceiling is still better than Michigan. I would not be surprised if Ohio State was better than Michigan this year. However, I like Michigan maybe an ounce more if I'm having to bet to take the over, and it's because Ohio State has that at Notre Dame game pretty early, whereas Michigan has a poo-poo platter in the non-conference. I mean, they they, they don't have anything uh, to worry about. It's just the conference games. You know, Ohio State, I think, hosts Penn State, where Michigan goes to Penn State. So, okay, at Penn State's obviously a real environment, whether Penn State's a notch below them or not. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a tough game. But that, combining with Ohio State being at home, I would rather hedge the bet that Michigan can handle one and one against those games than, you know, Ohio State riding the wrongs of the last few years. Because still, same coaching matchup. You know, C.J. Stroud again. I, I was a big Stroud guy. I, I, I never thought we talked about in the draft process. I never thought there was separation between him uh, and, and Bryce Young to the degree that that people made it out to be. C.J. Stroud last year again, sixty-six percent, three thousand six hundred eighty-eight passing yards. 41 touchdowns, six picks. You don't just go up and find that anywhere. And, right. and so, you know, that, that I, again, without having seen McCord, my, my instinct is not to say, yeah, it's just going to be the same thing, even though Ohio State has had plenty of great quarterbacks. So, look, I'm not worried about Ohio State having some great regression. I'm not saying Ohio State's going to go out there and be like, oh, you know what, what if – what if we just go ahead and lose to Rutgers, you know, or, or what if what if we're just going to let Mel, T- Mel Tucker, uh, you know, come back and actually get momentum? You know, I'm not I'm not too worried about those things. I'm just simply saying the difference in ten and two and eleven and one uh, at the end of the day. And and so I like Michigan to go over. Uh, let me give you real quick here uh, the odds on that. And um, let's see with Ohio State and Michigan, you're really not getting anything to go either way. Minus one fifteen over to minus one oh five under, minus one oh five over to minus one fifteen under. So you're you're pretty close to even there. No matter how you split it, it is really a matter of who you like, maybe a little bit more in that matchup or something like that. So uh, kind of deep diving into a little more uh, researching on these two teams, something that I had not looked at. I, I have to change my thoughts to. Uh, to uh, Michigan being that over. I had said Ohio State. The, uh-huh. over. the, the one thing I'm looking at, I had not looked at Ohio State's schedule. Uh, you mentioned that at Notre Dame, but they're also at Wisconsin, at Michigan. So, I mean, that that's three. Michigan got them in in Columbus last year, but right. so now you get them at home. I And you've got more of an experienced quarterback uh, at Michigan than you do at Ohio State. So, you know, I I, I would have to – I would have to hedge my bets on Michigan being the over, but it's still going to be close. It's a, I think it, you could still literally have a coin flip between the two, but if I had to pick right now, then I would switch my thoughts to Michigan just because of Ohio State's schedule and the experience at quarterback. Sure. So, All right, so that's Ohio State and Michigan. Let's move on to some others. TP, give me one that you really like for the over and give me one that you really like for the under, unless there is not applicable for there. So – an over that I really like this year is actually Illinois, led by former Arkansas head coach Brett Bielema. Uh, I was reading into it because I, I was really looking at this yesterday. I was, you know, I started researching. Turns out that I know they lost a great running back, but turns out that the, they're very confident in the running back behind them, and they're only six and a half. And their schedule, they're in the 
the Big Ten West, which is uh, terrible. That is and clearly so, the better side to be on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, their schedule is a lot easier. They're they're out of conference. I mean, it's Toledo at Kansas. I mean, they do have to play Penn State, but, you know, at six and a half, you're able to lose against a Penn State. And, I mean, besides that, I mean, they have Wisconsin at home. They're at Minnesota. They're at Iowa. They could they could realistically I mean they could go nine and three you could see them in Indianapolis just because they they seem to have a lot back I mean they they seem to really be gelling and buying into that they they play kind of like Michigan on offense where it's like hard nose you know we're gonna punch you in the mouth we're gonna run it down your throat we may have a hundred passing yards but we're gonna have around three hundred rushing yards and it's gonna be around seventeen to ten but they they make good with that so I would be very confident they also got a transfer in um from Ole Miss, who a lot of people thought was going to – who could be the starter last year, but he was beat out by Jackson Dart. But, yeah, I would be very confident in the Brett Bielma-led Illinois fighting Illini. And for an under, uh, I would have to go with Indiana because I have heard a lot about, you know, they, they're out of conference is not as easy as Illinois. They have Indiana State, they're going to beat them. They're going to beat Akron. But after that, I mean – who are you going to be? Their Big Ten West team that they they have to play at Purdue, who is to be seen. They got a new head coach. He was at he was at, he was at Illinois. He led that defense last year, or he coached that defense. And then they're at Illinois, who is really who's supposed to be pretty good this year. And they're at Penn State, at Michigan. You know they host Ohio State in the first week. You know have fun with that. I mean, I mean, uh, I I did an article. Uh, Ohio State's won 28 straight games in that rivalry. Rivalry, I say that lightly. Uh, but and then they they play Louisville in an out of conference um, neutral site. So I I think I know their when uh, their over under is only three and a half. But I mean sniffing a three and nine. I mean like it could be a three and nine. It could be a two and ten. They could lose to Rutgers. Rutgers as Greg Schiano. He's He's got a lot of support there, you know. They they're not looking for him to go, you know, nine and three. They he has a lot of support, and he could knock off in Indiana. So those are my two right now. So I've got a couple here, and then Tom, get your thoughts on some of these. Well, well I, I well, oh, you want to go ahead? Well, I mean, the one that I was going to say under is I, I'm you're kind of going the same route. I'm wondering about Northwestern even at three and a half. So I saw yesterday. I saw some books have them at two and a half now. Right. So. Right. Because I mean, you you just think about the the turmoil that's going on right there. Yeah. Uh, you got all the turmoil going on. You're already not going to be a very good team, and so you add all that together. Uh, you start out at Rutgers. You know, like you just mentioned, that that could be a loss right there from the get go. Uh, you do have UTEP that you know you should win. Should at Duke? Probably not. Yeah, I mean that exactly. No, they're not going to beat Duke this no. year. I promise, they're not. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota, Penn State, they should beat Howard. So we'll say UTEP, Howard. There's your two at Nebraska, Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue at Illinois. So probably not. I, I, I maybe two wins. So yeah, that was one of the ones I had. Right. Uh, I'll I'll go a step further, and I'm sorry to pile on Northwestern. They're going one eleven again, and and, and here's and here's why. You give them UTEP. They lost to Southern Illinois last year. Uh, yeah, FCS okay. so Southern Illinois. <laughs> it, like they could very well go one and eleven. They will beat Howard. That's one person to beat. Good one, Ryan. Um, th- sure, maybe they beat UTEP. Maybe I'm I'm being a little too bullish on on negative Northwestern thoughts. But 
They are not beating Duke. Duke is going to win eight or nine games in the ACC this year. Right. Riley Leonard is an excellent quarterback from the Mobile area. Talked about him with TP off air. I like Mike, what Mike Elko is doing after one year there at Duke. I hate to say it. I want them to be as bad as possible, <laughs> but Duke's going to be pretty good this year. Uh, so they're not beating that in the academic bowl. Uh, and then uh, Rutgers is another team that, in theory, according to the sports books, is batting around them. I like Greg Schiano more. I, ju- right, I just yeah. do. Uh, that's a more stable program. Of course, anything is in Northwestern right now. And I'll talk about Rutgers in just a second. But So I like that. And then it's just like, what conference games do we like Northwestern to compete in? Hosting Minnesota, not particularly. Penn State, no way. At Nebraska, I mean, maybe after a bye. I don't know. Uh, hosting Maryland. I, I like Maryland this, this year. Hosting or at Wrigley against Iowa, big environment. Me, You know, Iowa doesn't score. I guess they'll be in the game. Uh, at Wisconsin, no thanks. Purdue, boiler up. At Illinois, eh. You know, I mean, just there's just there's nothing else around there for me. I, I think they're two wins tops. I, I I don't even know if they win a conference game again. They did beat Nebraska last year, and then they promptly lost them all. Here's another. Here's a bonus pick for you. After they lost to Southern Illinois, they really turned it around by losing to Miami of Ohio. That, that's a pretty year. that's a pretty terrible loss right there. <laughs> so rough for Northwestern. That's gonna be rough. I just saw, by the way, I hate to jump back on the Duke who we're not talking about, but I just saw that they are returning ten offensive starters. Sure. Yeah. So. No, Duke's Duke's gonna be ugh. anyway. Um so here's a couple other I like. I like Rutgers over three and a half. Um with Shiano, they went four and eight last year. They went five and eight the year before. That's when they got the extra bowl game because academics and whatnot. So they were really five and seven in the regular year. Uh, I like them to start two and zero. Oh. I like them to beat Northwestern to start the year. I like them to beat Temple. I don't love their chances against Vautech, but I don't think it's impossible. It is at home they'll lose Michigan, but then they got Wagner. So they've got at least three wins through five games. All right, and then you just got to find me one more. It's probably not at Wisconsin. Host Michigan State. I don't know how dark does things uh, do things get in East Lansing at Indiana. Love that opportunity. Doesn't matter where you play Indiana. That's a doable game. You're not going to beat Ohio State. Probably not beating Iowa. Probably not beating. Penn State, maybe not even beat Maryland there at the end, but I really target that Indiana game as a safe. Like they could easily have the four wins by by that point. So I like Rutgers uh, to be able to, with the returning stars they have, they got eight defensive stars. Uh, I was looking at it, they got uh, quarterback and running back back. So I, you know, with Shiano, he was pretty good there once upon a time. I'll take Rutgers and an over right there. So another one that I forgot to mention about is Michigan State is at five and a half, five and a half, and I would, I feel pretty confident in saying the under for that because, I mean, they start off on a Friday night against Central Michigan. You're probably going to beat Central Michigan. You play Richmond, that's fine. Then your other out of conference game is the buzzsaw that is Washington right now. You get to host them, and uh, Michigan State has probably a top a bottom three pass defense in the whole entire nation and Washington they throw the ball about as much as anyone else so they are going to probably exploit that pass defense and then after that I mean you're you play Maryland who was they went eight and five they seem to really be buying into Mike Loxley at Iowa that's a that's a hard place to play uh, at Rutgers, like you said, it, how bad? You know, if you start, if you're two and three, and you go to Rutgers, I mean, Rutgers could be fired up for that game. You're at Michigan, uh, you host Michigan. That's a loss. At Minnesota, probably a loss. Nebraska depends on Matt Rule. At Ohio State, that's a loss. At Indiana, I mean, you could see a world where Penn State's going three and nine or four and eight, and I do not see them going over a five and a half. 
Well, and, and the other thing, uh, I mentioned the turmoil at Northwestern. You, you got to feel like there's probably something going on there at Michigan State inside as well. I mean, that's why you've got guys transferring out of that program. Uh, so, you know, you have to think something's there. Uh, that does a tough schedule. And so, yeah, I mean, five – uh, getting to that five win for Michigan State is definitely going to be tough. I'll give you one more that I like, and then we'll get back to the Auburn Bank phone line. So I'll take another over here, and this one's a little bit – this is like a hold back, let them cook type of deal. So Maryland's at seven and a half. I actually like them to cover that. Yeah. I think they're okay. going to get to eight, maybe nine. Um, they don't have a ton of starters back, not not a comfortable amount. The experience chart's not going to have them incredibly high, but they've got the right people back. They've got their two leading rushers. They've got their two leading receivers. They got Talia Tagovailoa back, who's multi-year starter now. They got their top three leading tacklers, their top sack guy, two of their top uh, two of the three that were tied with two interceptions to lead the team. They've got the right people back. They've got the best people back. Uh, from last year's team. Mike Loxley, slow build at Maryland, started at three and nine, not great, then the shortened 2020 year at two and three, but then went to seven and six and 21 and went eight and five last year. Granted, it was seven, and we're talking regular season win totals here, so we need to get to eight before the bowl game this year, but did knock off NC State in the bowl game. And looking schedule wise, I think they can go three and oh, the non con, not worried about Towson, not worried about Charlotte. Virginia would be the game to watch there week three. Uh, the at Michigan State game be interesting. I think they'll beat Indiana. Should lose to Ohio State. Illinois home though, so that's a that's the fifty fifty type of game that's, that, that's going to determine. Make or break right, right there. that's the type of game that matters at Northwestern. I think they'll be fine. Host Penn State. I wouldn't think they're better than Penn State, but at home, depending on what the records are, we would see at Nebraska. Interesting game, too. Host Michigan at Rutgers to end the year. You avoid Wisconsin on that. You avoid Iowa on that. So I, I think that you get catch a couple breaks there. Uh, far better to play the likes of Indiana, Northwestern, Rutgers than it is to play Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, and, and those couple teams. So I think that sets up well for them. Again, I don't think this is a breakout 10-2, and two, win a division, party it up in the Big Ten title game or anything like that. But I, I think that they can go undefeated the non-conference, keep their losses to like Ohio State, Michigan, and then maybe like a random one like at Michigan State or, or at Nebraska, something like that, host Illinois, uh, and, and win a pot of at least one or two of those. And then I think they would be okay for the eight. So kind of like the Terps, the Turtles, uh, for <laughs> to, to slightly cover that. Anything else there before – uh, we want to get to the the phone, Auburn make phone line. I know Nebraska at six and a half. They have not had. I think that's even pretty. That. I think that's pretty. Pretty uh, fair. Pretty fair. Okay. I, I would say six and six, seven and five. That's about what I'd expect. Fair expectations for yeah. rule in year one. I think um, Michigan State at five and a half. It's weird to see them that low. I understand it, but just again, not as bad as Florida, or not you know not as big a program as Florida. But again, to see Michigan State five and a half after two years ago, they were what ten and two. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty startling reality. With Peyton Thorne. Year three, Mel Tucker. Yes, Peyton Thorne was the quarterback then, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, interesting stuff there. Again, I, I feel sorry for Northwestern, but they went 1-11 last year and had horrible losses. I, yeah. I don't know why it's going to be much different with everything that's been going on for them. Uh, it's, it's It's been a rough road. So Should be interesting to watch, though. And proof of that was, it's, again, two weeks ago, I think that was just prior to the uh, to the stuff that came out about Pat Fitzgerald. So that's when right. it was three and a half. And TP, as you said, even the update number would 
would have it at two and a half. All right, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Doing well. Man, I tell you, I see Hugh Freeze been on that recruiting trail blowing it up. I think he got a five-star, a six-star <laughs> linebacker from uh, somewhere. I can't remember where the school at, but... Uh, he, so the, the, you, the kids from big. yeah the kids from Clanton Alabama and uh but he had, Chilton County High Chilton School. County High School he had been committed to Georgia uh, and he flipped from Georgia to Auburn and flipped to Auburn over Alabama basically it was kind of between Auburn and Alabama to where he was going to flip to and he chose chose Auburn man I tell you that's that's something but I'm assuming this kid looking at probably earlier uh, playing time instead of having to maybe go to Georgia or Alabama and maybe sit a year. Or, uh, go through that sort of thing. Just come on in, twenty twenty four, and uh, get in the workouts and everything, and ease on into the rotations. What I, I'm thinking, that's what he's thinking. What well, you think? I mean, I, I don't. I honestly don't know what he's thinking. I, you know, I don't know um, if, if he's looking at playing time or what. But I'll say this: a, a quote that he had was that he loved it at Georgia and it felt like family. But the family here at Auburn is just different. And oh so, wow! So that was a quote straight from him. There's nothing about, yeah, I, I'm playing time is going to be better for me at Auburn. He just said it feels different at Auburn. And so, there you go. Well, I wonder, we'll see what happens between now and then. You know, a lot of things can change in between now and this actual signing date. You know, you got the early signing date in December, but you never know. Maybe he might go on a visit somewhere else, maybe Ohio State or somewhere and see something and, and become part of a family there. Who knows? I don't know, but we'll see if his kid sticks with it or, or, or whatnot, but uh, I tell you, right now, that's about as big as recruit I think Freeze is uh, potentially landing so far, and that's big for the program because, uh, you know, other people, other guys look at that and say, well, okay, well, uh, I know what kind of player he is. Maybe I want to go down there and join and be a part of that, a part of this, and, and you get a player here and there, you know what I'm saying? you got a championship on the horizon. So thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate it, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, um, I, I I really believe that uh, that Riddick is just the first domino to fall. I I 100% believe that Perry Thompson is going to end up flipping to Auburn, maybe this weekend during Big Cat. Um, a lot of people seem to think that, and so uh, the Riddick domino falls, the Perry Thompson domino may fall, and then we'll see what happens there. And I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze is showing that he doesn't care if if they're committed to Bama, or committed to Georgia, or committed to whoever else. It don't matter. I want you, I'm going to go after you and show you that, you know, Auburn is the place that you need to be. And and here we go. Sure, and, and starting to find some, some inroads there for sure. Uh, when you go back to, again, the thought process of, of hiring Hugh Freeze, again, right. that was one of the clear reasons is that the recruiting had so clearly lacked. Uh, at a certain position or two of Malzahn, overall recruiting was fine. Um, but then with Brian Harson, the – recruiting tanked in every which way uh and you had to understand what the recruiting process was like in the sec hugh freeze did that although he obviously had his issues at Ole miss he clearly still understood the recruiting part of it and look there are other on the football field things that we will get to in oh i don't know about a month or so very exciting uh of why they wanted to hire him too but one of the very clear uh, most clear reasons was because he would start to get talent to Auburn that had been not been coming to Auburn the yeah. last several years. And, and uh, again, Riddick is a type of guy that 
as you heard that we went through a few five stars with Malzahn, they had gotten a couple like that. But again, the hope is that they continue to do that on both sides of the ball right. and uh, and make the full classes uh, grade out. Again, it's there is some work to do there because again there is this tendency to think that the Malzahn recruiting era was garbage and that sort of thing. They were top 10 classes. So it's not, it's not like this is like the most easy thing to, yeah, it's clearly going to be better than Malzahn. They'll have to get to the top five to do that. I think the potential is there and I think they can do that at some point. Um, but you know, they, they, they understand unlike the two years of Harson, what needs to be done, the recruiting trail and if they can start to win games pretty quickly too, they'll couple that right. with that, and they'll have a incredible way to recruit. Well, the the one thing, the one goal that you know, hopefully they have over there is not just to be top ten because that was one of the issues uh, that happened when Gus Malzahn was here. Yeah, they'd have a top ten class, but they'd be sixth in the SEC. So, in that case, you need to strive for a top five class. That way, that puts you potentially at two or three in in your own conference. So that you know that just was an issue there is yes great top ten but you're sixth and maybe right but I'm saying fourth. that that's not I, the oh, easiest no, no. thing to do oh no I not mean. not at all so uh, there's that aspect but again the Demarcus Riddick deal is big but it's a linebacker I, I'm ready to start seeing the skill positions come in hopefully Perry Thompson will be that first you know and then you can start seeing some of that because you you look at the teams like Clemson when they when they were you know, rising under Dabo, uh, Bama, and what they started doing, Georgia, and what Kirby started doing there, and then you can also look around at like Ohio State and all. some of their key cogs that led them to the that got those championships going and got those big recruiting classes going were elite quarterbacks, elite wide receivers, elite running backs. I mean, your main skill positions on offense, those teams were loading up on that. I mean, goodness gracious, look at the wide receivers that have come out of Alabama. And look at the running backs that have come out of Alabama. Look at the running backs that have come out of Georgia. Look at the receivers that have now been coming out of Georgia. That's where you're going to have to start getting those blue chip uh, guys in that make that immediate impact. And then you can start looking towards championship type teams when you start putting in those blue chippers in your skill spots. All right, we're going to take our next commercial break of the show. When we come back, more Sports Call on this Wednesday edition, Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, TP Hammock, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Starting to wind down this Wednesday edition of the show. On the other side of that break, appreciate Anthony from Auburn for calling us. Talking a little bit about Demarcus Riddick, five-star linebacker committing to Auburn in the 4 o'clock hour. Before that, we were going over some Big Ten win totals. Have a couple more thoughts on this after further review. Want to hit on a couple more teams that we did not hit on. I mentioned them in passing uh, because they're relevant in terms of schedule, but we didn't really talk about Wisconsin, Iowa, or much about Penn State for that matter. I want to give you the actual uh, what you're laying here and that sort of thing. Uh, so for Penn State, they are, again, over under 9.5. Minus 130 to bet the over, plus 110 to bet the under, which intrigues me to maybe say, oh, 9-3, and three, you know, that's, that's kind of where James Franklin's been at Penn State. They've been Winning a solid amount. They've not won the big one, it feels like, though. So that that seems like I would want some action on that. Wisconsin at 8.5, minus 135 to go over. So, again, pretty heavy people betting over. Plus 115 for the under. And then, uh, so that's 8.5. Then Iowa at 7.5, minus 140 for the over, plus 115 for the under. So you can see everybody kind of betting the overs on Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State. Uh, is is that how you would like her when you hear those prices? Did that make you more tantalized by the by the under? Well, Iowa, I just don't know how. I know they had a pretty good transfer portal, but like, I, I, I the offense is one of the worst th- things that, I've ever that, seen. It yeah. was horrendous. It was it made me feel sad. <laughs> like it was terrible. Like I know they got Cade McNamara, but like, is he really good enough to get you more than eight wins? I mean, with a Bad with a questionable offensive coordinator and all that. I mean, it, it's very questionable. But Penn State at nine and a half, I think they will go a twelve and uh, not twelve and two. My bad, a ten and two because uh, they are really good. They're supposed to be super good this year, and their out of conference schedule is pretty light. Uh, I, you could see them losing at Ohio State, and they, like you said, they could beat Michigan. They host Michigan on November eleventh, and that definitely helps playing in Happy Valley. But out of conference. You host West Virginia, who a lot of people thought they should have fired their head coach. Delaware at Illinois, that could be interesting, depending on how good Illinois is, but I would still pick Penn State to defeat them. Uh, You host Iowa, who we were just talking about, whose offense is about as good as the Tiger Communications crew. Uh, (laughs) And then you're at Northwestern, who's in turmoil. And then UMass. I mean, and UMass is pretty terrible as well. But, yeah, I think they're – they should definitely be favorited to be a, a over that nine and a half because they are going to be really good this year from all I've read. So like Penn State, maybe go ten and two. I just you know they they do have the host Michigan though, and and so if they don't win either of those games, then you got to be perfect the rest of the way. That's when someone like an Iowa or an at Maryland can trip yeah. them up. I'm just a little worried about it. Uh, they. It's hard to read them that 2018 they were nine win team, 19 they went up to that 11 and two number, 20 we just don't care about. 21 was an oddly bad year. That's when James Franklin rumbling started, but then they rebounded last year, went 10 and two in the regular year, won the Rose Bowl against Utah. I mean, like Penn State's a productive program. Like it's not, it's not like it's this failing disappointment. It's, it's just consistent. It's just not reached the mountaintop the way Paterno was able to do for, uh, occasionally. It's just always been, th- I mean, under Franklin, it's just clearly been third behind Ohio State and Michigan. Iowa, 
man. Iowa just Kirk Ferentz. What? Let's <laughs> let's start with that. Kirk. He's done a great job at Iowa. Twenty fifth year is about what he's going to start at Iowa. You know, one eighty six and one fifteen all time. Thirty one top twenty five wins at Iowa. So it's over one a year. These are real. I mean, like he, he is Iowa football in the twenty first century. Like again, there's it, it is a, a a very solid job he's done. They sometimes have some low years. They always rebuild it though, and they're always a player in that division. They've been a, a nine win team more times than I can count. Again, it's a consistent program, but it's also afforded him liberties that he has not yet relinquished. That. There, there needs to be some talking about, and particularly with his son, Brian, Brian okay. offensive coordinator, who is leading an offense that, like, fun to, fundamentally, they were not a horrible team last year because their defense was excellent. They still went 8-5. and five. But the number I'm about to read you offensively, any offensive coordinator would have been fired after this. You ready for this? They averaged. Do you want the points or yards first? Let's go with yards. Want yards? 252 yards a game. There were plenty of quarterbacks in the country that averaged more yards per game passing than that, regardless of rushing attacks, regardless of if they could run. Iowa's entire offense averaged 252 per game. And then points per game, 17.7. So if you scored three touchdowns, you were probably beating Iowa last year. That is pretty unbelievable stuff. And I know we joke about in the Big Ten that they play lower-scoring games for the most part. And we say, oh, it's Big Ten football and that sort of thing. But even there are teams in that league that now are offensive-oriented. 17 points a game is just not it. And I want to remind you of some of the results from last year because I still think it's worth remembering. South Dakota State start the year. 7-3. to they won, yay! Two safeties, seven to three, yeah. <laughs> Iowa State rivalry. They gave up ten points. That's pretty good, except they only scored seven, and they lost to the Cyclones. That they, that's always a fun rivalry. Uh, Nevada and Rutgers, great. Held Michigan to twenty-seven. Would have been okay if you scored more than fourteen, though. Oh. <laughs> How about Illinois? They gave up single digits. The Fighting Illini gave up nine. Could I trouble Iowa for more than six, though? No, I could not. Six is all they can muster. Lost that, nine to then six. Then that next game, it was bad. Right? Uh, what happens when you only score 10 against Ohio State? Well, Ohio State doesn't stop scoring for anybody, so Ohio State beat them 54-10. Then a little more competent towards the end of the year, but still culminating in a rough loss to Nebraska, 24-17. Again, I, I know I shouldn't spend this much time on Iowa, but I am reveling at the fact that this is a, a, a relevant, solid Power conference team that does not play any offensive football whatsoever. So Iowa this year on the schedule, Utah State and Western Michigan shouldn't be too worried about it unless they score seven points. Uh, but then they are at Iowa State. Uh, and again, they lost that game at home last year, 10-7. to uh, They kind of been trading back and forth there, some close games. They've won for the most part, but a lot of close games with Iowa State probably be close again this year. But do you like him to win a slugfest against someone like Wisconsin? Maybe, but probably not on the road this year. And Luke Fickle's got them believing they got a lot of transfers sure. on offense. So. 
a lot of portal guys that some teams do. Yeah, but you got to do something with them, and I, right. I don't know that that yeah. style. Right. I don't know that that style of offense and that philosophy is going to do it. That's like right. y'all been talking That's about. True. Well, I mean, I he was talking about you. Wisconsin there. Yeah, I was talking about Wisconsin. Yeah, oh, I, I, and, and Fickle's new there, so they're not going to be as pro well, style saying, oriented. Well, I'm but, saying Iowa though, right? With their offensive woes that they've right. had, and bringing in uh, what was it, McNamara? They right, got McNamara, and they got some receivers. Um, so there's no reason to think with Brian Ferentz there they're going to turn into a great offensive team. So at Wisconsin's difficult. They do again void Ohio, avoid Ohio State though. That is that is relevant. And the thing is, if you're betting on them, they don't play Michigan either. So they avoid Ohio State, Michigan. <laughs> but it, they're it's at just, Penn State. <laughs> it's I know, but I still think Ohio State, Michigan are better than those two. Right. Right. So you avoided the two big bears in that conference, and Penn State is probably a b- better than them, but. Uh, again, I'd rather play Penn State than either one of those two. So that's true. They they have a lighter draw of things. So the question is, can they win a bunch of seventeen ten games? They did it last year. To be fair, they only gave up thirteen points a game. They had a great defense. They they were they were it was a it, on average an Iowa football game last year was seventeen thirteen. I know the really exciting stuff out there, but uh, so Iowa again was seven and a half. I might take the over just because Ferentz always wins nine games, eight games, and it might be as ugly. I might complain about it for five minutes like I just did, and will not matter. He'll he'll still champ out eight wins. And Iowa will still have one of the coolest traditions in all of college football. Yes, uh, that is fair. And then Brian yeah. Ferentz will be back. <laughs> and, and that tradition will be alive, too, and that will be less cool for sure. All right, final couple minutes of the show today. Time uh, to finish it off with a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Atlanta Braves, Boston Red Sox. Hey, the Braves lost night, lost last night to the Red Sox. Man, I, got the butts kicked. And, and, that's, and that happens from time to time, but I just can't stand the Red Sox. So yeah. I hate everything that Boston Braves does. Braves are the very cool triple play. The first time that that type of triple play has happened since 18-something. Oh, my. Yeah, but eight, five, ooh, eight, three, five, eight, like five, three, eight, something, something. Yeah, it started with Michael Harrison Center. That's what we know. Uh, but Braves, Red Sox, again, series finale, only two games set. Braves did not hit a homer last night, breaking a long streak as well. So that's 6 o'clock on ESPN. Also, World Cup in women's soccer, 8 o'clock on Fox. It's the U.S. women's national team versus the Netherlands. I believe this is the biggest matchup for them in group play. Netherlands usually pretty confident in women's soccer. And so that one, again, 8 o'clock on Fox. The movie picks for tonight. 6 o'clock on AMC, not the theater, although go to the theater as always. I tell you, go enjoy movies, great movies out right now. Uh, the Hunger Games at 6 o'clock. B-Movie at 6.30 on Nickelodeon for the kiddies. And then 7 o'clock on Turner Classic Movie to Kill a Mockingbird. That was a uh, novel classic. that I think we all read yep. in high it's a school great novel. at some point. It, it, it certainly great, great movie, too. And, and, and so that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Again, I also would encourage anyone and everyone to, again, go to a movie tonight. I saw Mission Impossible 7 Monday night. Good stuff. Again, as I said the other day, Cruz, he's he's got that style movie down pat, that is for sure. That will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you for being here today and throughout the week. We'll Absolutely. see you again next week, sir. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. TP, thank you for being here today. 
Your, I know your internship ends tomorrow, but uh, again, we're excited. We'll go ahead and announce that you will be with us in the fall. So this is not the last. Everyone will hear from you. But again, appreciate you for being here throughout the summer. And uh, we'll see you again in a few weeks, sir. Yes, sir. You all can expect to hear me on Thursdays. So. Absolutely. That will do it for the show here today. Again, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in. And we appreciate Phil Steele of Phil Steele Publications for joining us on the show today as well. For T.P. Hammock and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>